everyone welcome to episode 10 of the thirst for knowledge podcast it's your boy lawrence i'm here uh with my ever-present co-host steven how are you doing steve good how you doing i'm all right and uh this week we have a, a very special guest um some of you know him as the tannin grace some people call him tannin the stallion uh <laughs> i've never heard that one before that's a new one for me <laughs> How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Lawrence. Thanks for having me, Steve. What's up? It's nice to meet you, and uh, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, it's great to have you on. We've been talking about this for a while. Um, I think you're technically our guest because we had Cyrus on, but I was like, my plan was to have BBD on as the first guest and then make sure you were the second guest as just like the dagger. As the dagger? As yeah, the d- and then Cyrus had to go win a grand for Yeah, Cyrus <laughs> fucking it up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> can't, yeah. We can't forget Jarvis. Uh, I consider Jarvis, Jarvis a Jarvis a um, a special a guest friend host. of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like yeah. filling in for me, so he doesn't count as a guest. I, I think it's really funny. You just had to have me as the second guest. You know what? I've actually been asked multiple times recently, even as as, as soon as this weekend. Uh, do you ever get tired of you know the the second place jokes? And the honest answer is no. I really don't because honestly, I don't care. You know, it's a thing. You, you could be known for something way worse than getting second place all the time. And uh, actually, I think it's pretty funny overall. Like the the jokes are actually really good. Uh, it's never really like super uh, repetitive and. The people who make them, like, you know, like the joke you just made, I know that it's in jest. You know what I mean? Like, no one's really, like, going after me or digging into me with it. So as long as it's, like, lighthearted, I'm, I'm just completely okay with it. Yeah, I usually try to make my second place jokes, like, different each time. It's not just like, ah, you yeah. got second place a bunch. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, that that would, after, like, the 10th time you told me, I'd be like, all right, we could, we could stop this. We could move on from this. But, yeah. But going for the cosmic, like, second podcast guest joke. Yeah. You know, we, you know, the funny thing is, I don't even have that many second places on on the tour. I only have three. I know that's a lot. You know, I've lost in the finals three times, but I mean, like, there's there's multiple people on tour that have lost more than me or whatever. But I think that the fact that, A, that I don't have the trophy, and B, it happened so many times in a small period of time, because we got, I think we got three second places in, like, four or five months. You know, so it was, like, I don't know, like, a third of the Opens I played in over a three-month span. I just got second. It also you know, so. happened, like, right at... It- not like the birth of magic Twitter, but like right when magic Twitter, mm-hmm. like there was a period back in like 20, really blew up. like yeah. 14 when like magic podcasts were just like the a team and um, heavy meta or whatever. And there was like magic right. Twitter, but it was basically just a bunch of like podcasters, like interacting. And right when you guys went on that run was when magic Twitter, like really blew up. It became the powerhouse that it is today. And, yeah, and I think we were like the first real super successful team on the SCG tour too, right? You know, there's other teams that were winning and like making a couple top eights, but we were in every top eight, and it was like kind of new. It was like you know one of the first runnings of the standard modern legacy team event, you know, with like all three formats, and um, you know, Brent and I were just you know teamed for every event, and then once we got Ross on the team, like our superpowers activated or something, you know what I mean? Like we just like couldn't lose, and. We just got really lucky too. Like we were really good at mixing in the losses. You know what I mean? Like, cause like that's the most important thing. It's like you just want to win two one every every round. You know what I mean? Like don't don't keep three owing people because then you're gonna start o twoing. You know, in, in a round and then, um, you know, if somebody had a bad tournament, the other two always pick them up. 
you know, like we, we had multiple turns where someone got hard carried, like, like a good example, one of our finals losses, I think Ross was like six and nine in the tournament or something like that. Yeah. It was like, you know, you, you got a hard carry sometimes, but that's, that's why you're on teams with these people, right? Like you, you trust your teammates. Yeah, for sure. Also shout out to the Ross Hunnids meme. Uh, I don't, oh, I yeah. don't know how many people are actually going to remember. I guess is his Twitter handle is still Ross Hunnids, right? It is. It is still Ross Hunted's, and um, I think it was, so we're almost at a year now of it. It was the last winter um, Invitational, or the what the, uh, SCG Con featuring Invitational. Let's get the real thing it's called. We brought it back for a day. He got really drunk. Big surprise. You know, Ross likes his beer. He got uh, pr- pretty decently uh, inebriated doing karaoke the night before, and so we were just busting out the hundreds behind him, and he actually didn't know until the next day, and we took, I don't know, like 10, 15 photos and put them on Twitter. He was unaware. That's it was great. Yes, for those of you who don't know, the Ross Hunted's meme is like way back in the day, people used to just like pull out $100 bills and take photos of them, uh, or photos of Ross just holding up this $100 bill. Without him knowing. You'd be like in the background, foreground, behind him. Like you got real creative with it. You know, it was, it, it was almost like a game in and of itself. You know, it's like a good game of hide and seek, you know? Yeah, so that's the story behind the Ross Merriam's Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> but uh, speak- we're, we're a history podcast now. <laughs> oh, you know it. Got to gotta teach these kids. Respect know, the right? elders. <laughs> Especially me, because I am definitely old. So, uh, But speaking of teaming with Ross and Brennan, you did that at SCG Philly, mm-hmm. right? I did. Uh, we got to play a whopping five rounds. It was a, a lot of, or four rounds actually. It was a lot of fun. We uh, we did not have a good go of it. We went one and three. Um, had some some really close matches. We also knew that uh, any of the mono red matchups in modern would be tough for us. You know, like burn or prowess, and that's all we played against. So we were hoping for a little bit different there. What was Ross playing? Uh, one of the versions of like PO, you know, um, it was no Urza. It was really heavily, uh, just guy ascendancy, uh, with Emery. Interesting. So, so just trying to go off as quickly as possible. Like, uh, we, we weren't sure on like exactly which build was better because like one was better if you get a bunch of fair matchups and then one was better if like you got a more of the unfair matchups. So we were kind of, you know, Stuby Columbus is like next month, I think. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of re familiarizing myself with modern, um, and kind of just doing like a tour of the format. And this last week, and I tried the Just Ascendancy decks and just really didn't like them. Um, I didn't like it either from like a vantage point. At times, it looks really good. I think you kind of sputter out too much. I think you're also too reliant on drawing exactly Just Guy Ascendancy. Yeah. What I found was like a lot of your deck is do nothing cards. You have Emery, Just Guy Ascendancy, and Urza and Pio, which are all of like your payoffs. All of them require you to have a lot of material to do something with. So any game where you, like, mulligan, there were games where I played against Jund, and they would just go, like, discard spell, discard spell, uh, cast yeah. anything else that interacted, and my deck just didn't do anything. And uh, I just wasn't really about it. No, I agree. I, I agree. It's You're a uh, quantity neck deck, not a quality deck. You know, you're not like Tron, where you need, like, four cards to win, you know? So you just mulligan freely. You need a bunch of raw material with which to go off. So if you if you mulligan, it's, it's definitely detrimental with that deck, for sure, when that's not true of a lot of other combo decks in Modern. You guys played without Urza, right? Yeah, we played without Urza. I think he played with Urza in the challenge the next day, tried that out. He, he got off to a good start, but like we mentioned right before the show started, those challenges are gigantic. It's like nine rounds, so if you like lose in the first four or five rounds, you, you might be better off just dropping, honestly, and going to do anything else with your time. I tried the Emery-only version, yeah, and I didn't care for 
mm-hmm. it was it was just an ascendancy deck. The Emery was just was just kind of an enabler. Yeah, exactly. And the, without the Urza was a good draw mm-hmm. for the deck. Like when I tried with Urza, like Urza by itself could do something, but Emery couldn't. No, absolutely. Urza is a win condition in and of itself. If the game goes like you know a turn or two more, which you don't necessarily get that with Emery without ascendancy, like you said. So like there's more moving parts. It's definitely more explosive. But I'm not sure it's correct, for sure. I, I know some of the lists from the SCG were just the non-ascendancy um, lists. One second, I'm trying to find one here. And I yeah, I don't know how to feel about these decks. Like, they're obviously very good when they do their thing. But it's just a matter of, like, what is their fail rate and how often are you going to encounter that? And that's kind of my worry with these PO shells. Um, there's just your deck is just so many do nothing effects, and then you just have these nutty payoff. And it's definitely a worry. No, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I would look over, and there's you know games where in turn one or two Ross would have like seven permanents in play, and I'm like, oh, we're we're good there. And I would look back over three turns later, and we would die. And he's like, yeah, I couldn't find an ascendancy or something. You know, he didn't find a payoff spell or something like that. And I'm not a big fan of those decks personally. <clears throat> I understand that they're very powerful, and like that's the draw to the deck. And there's something to be said about playing some deck that is inherently like broken in in what it does. That you know something is very very powerful because the onus is on your opponent to stop you. You usually don't have to interact with your opponent; they're interacting with you, and you can still beat hate cards. And then we've seen in the past. I mean, like how many times have you been watching coverage and the boogeyman of the de- of the day? You know, like you know Dredge or PO or something like that. Someone has a really good sideboard card in their opening hand, right? And they keep their hand that might not do much else besides having that sideboard card. And then the combo deck finds a way to beat that because they're resilient. You know, they find the the bounce spell, the removal spell for this for this thing that's stopping them. And then the other deck just doesn't kill them. You know, so it puts so much stress on the other other decks that that is like the the hidden you know thing that helps out that deck being more powerful. I think uh, like with with Hogak, right? Part of the deck was you had to mulligan afraid. Right? <clears throat> you were so worried about your opponent doing something disgusting to you. You would keep those hands that were just like, well, this hand has Leyline and six non-lands. Hope, gotta hope, right? Where <laughs> yeah. it's like the outcome deck, you're just like, uh, I got an Inquisition of Coes like in an Ancient Arch. And you're just like, okay, yeah. cool, this this is probably good enough. Like, you know their hand is going to be so much chaff. And one of the issues that I ran into was... Um, it's very awkward to play a deck based around Jeskai Ascendancy alongside 30 cards that want you to play them out on turn one and two. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of just like spewing your hand and then going Jeskai Ascendancy and going, alright, here's my Mox Amber. Here's hoping that it just keeps drawing me stuff, right? And you're just like, oh god. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there and it kind of like goes back to what both of you said earlier. There's just a fail rate, right? And with um, decks trying to be broken like that, like combo decks, I, I definitely like decks that have a lot less of a fail rate than this. You know, it's not the same as, say, like Storm, you know, where, you know, once once you start doing your thing, you're almost a lock. You know, it's almost deterministic every single time. And this deck definitely felt like it had more air in it or more fail rate, like you said, because, you know, you need this raw, like all this raw material, but you have to time it all right. Like if you, if you play one of your mocks in like too soon, you're like, oh, I didn't actually need that yet. And then you draw a and like, oh, I needed another trigger. Like, 
I don't know. It's just it's it's definitely not. You would never catch me playing that deck. If you if you see me playing that deck in a tournament, it's that damn good. Yeah. There's also something to say about um, like Storm has passed in flames and similar effects, or you'll see like these rebuild effects on a lot of combo shells. Right. And for this deck, it's like exactly paradoxical outcome, but like it's not a resilient one. Like if you're if you do play a bunch of stuff and don't do anything for four turns and then play your outcome. You know, your control opponent is going to have their comp or counter spell or whatever. Like, it gives your opponent way too much time to actually find interaction. Um, I'm not sure about these, like, outcomeless. Uh, they are playing Wishclaw Talisman, which is kind of cool. Um, these are the non ascendancy outcome to specify. And, I mean, I'm interested in trying it, but I don't know. I, I just kind uh, of worry. The non ascendancy ones are pretty good. Yeah. Because you really don't have just the outcomes, you also have Urza. Urza can refill you because you haven't you have enough mana. Yeah, like you have enough yeah, mana. Ur- to Urza can win Urza. games. Yeah, and then yeah, the fact that like your EEs are interactive cards, but they're also mock sapphires, and they are a theoretical card under a PO, and you can reset them to the number you want. I think it's a neat deck for me personally, but. Yeah, that was one of the things I was the most excited about seeing on the list is that like you just get to play a bunch of engineered explosives main. And there's so many decks that just fold to that card. You know, if like you just have it like you know, engineered on one or two, like just crushes all the like creature based strategies. You know, if you draw two engineered explosives against right. humans, you can't get chased out by winning. hate cards. Except for stony silence, but you know, you're that's you've signed up to hate to yeah. lose to that card. Do Yeah, that's modern in a nutshell, right? Do white decks really exist right now? Like I get that people play blue-white control, but that's one of those decks where you think people are doing well, but it's really just five dudes who are really good at the deck on Moto. And the rest of the format just seems to be like other non-white proactive shells. We've got humans. I guess. Yeah, you got humans, but they sometimes can afford actual hate cards. They like general, they're playing collector. Okay. Yeah, and no, I, I think you're I think you're pretty much right. Like white has always been the, the best cyborg color in modern. You know, you have the actual hammer, so you have like rest in peace, stony silence, things like that like that you were saying. But there aren't decks that can like readily do it because here's the thing, yeah, blue white control might cast that card against you, but they're not killing you. Like you just get to sit there for four turns, stock your hand, find a few things, maybe cast a cantrip or two, and then try to go off again, you know, around it or through it, you know, and stuff like that. So Again, not a big fan of these kinds of decks, though. I'm I'm with Steve. I definitely like that other version a lot better, like with Urza and stuff, you know, because it seems like it has better uh, backup <coughs> plans, better secondary plans, whatever you want to call it. So definitely a better, a bigger fan of that version of the deck. And I could be talked into that one for sure. Yeah, I just saw the hype on Twitter. Right. So I figured I'd try it. Well, I mean, like, Emery's a, a busted card. And it's the first tournament. So, like, if you get it right for the first tournament, you're so far ahead of the field. Right. Like, it was the card that everyone pegged as very yeah. easily breakable, and there was something appealing about the ability to go, like, you know, Mishra's Bobble, Ox Opal, do something else, play Emery on turn one, sometimes have three mana on turn two for Jeskai Ascendancy, and then your opponent just died yeah. on turn two. Um, but there's also just a lot of games where, like, you just don't draw that third land. It's It's really awkward. No, I definitely saw a game where Ross, like... Uh, spent three mana on turn one. You know, he had, like, both moxes with a turn one Emery, like, you know, just, like, the nut hand, and then he didn't win. 
And I was like, this yeah. is this is an indictment of this deck. <laughs> like when I see that happen, I, I want nothing to do with this. You know what I mean? Because like that definitely happens. Yeah. Like I want nothing to do with the deck if that's what happens. If I put my hand on the table turn one or something like that, like at that point, why aren't we just playing Affinity? You know, like why aren't we just playing Ginger Brute? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like Mox Mox Amber was very disappointing because a lot of the time it doesn't read anything. Like the whole thing with modern is that it's hell for creatures. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, you can resolve an Emery on turn one, but you don't untap with it yeah. enough. Uh, you know, you may get your side down, but it's it's going to get pathed. Like, it's very hard to keep these legends in play. And I know, like, Rasheen played three Mox Amber, which makes so much sense to me. Yeah, I think we only played three in most of our decks as well, in the in the deck as well, because it's definitely the, the worst of the two. Like you said, you, you need something else to kind of make it go. But it is a necessary evil, like you said. It's like, you know, it is a piece of combo. It's another zero mana artifact. Um, we wanted to get just another zero mana artifact in the deck anyway, just to have more free plays. Like, we almost played a Talmud's Crypt main, just because, like, the card is not irrelevant in a lot of matches. But we wanted one that was, you know, maybe had some functionality while still being a combo piece. Makes sense. Uh, Steve, you were going to say um, something. I don't remember. Sorry. I think it was. I think it was basically like <laughs> we're, we're, we're back Sony Silence. If I watched Caleb D play a version of it, and someone had a Sony Silence down, and they just kept poing and just replaying things and poing, and they beat them. And it was just silly. Like, yeah, it doesn't even stop that half of the like, deck. Yeah, like there's no KO yeah. card. I, like that. That's the whole thing with those Urza decks, right? Like. Stony is good pre-Urza resolving, but if Urza has resolved and you play Stony, or if they like if you Stony and they can just go land four play Urza, it doesn't do anything because the card just invalidates the Stony effect because you just turn all of your artifacts into mana and do something else with them. So it's definitely a crapshoot. Yeah, agreed. Um I I will be glad if it's not just the best deck in modern, because I do think that I don't like when decks like that are the best deck in modern because when you see decks like Hogak or some combo deck like this one being the boogeyman of the format, it leads to really unhealthy formats and then it leads to bans as quickly as possible, hopefully as quickly as possible. And again, I'm not a big fan of it though. I do think Mox, Opals, and Days are numbered, which like I can say with more clear, with more certainty than I have in the past because let's be real, that card should not have been legal as long as it has been. But Yeah, like... I think the Ascendancy list is a bit too fragile uh, in what it does to be the best deck, but um, I could see the PO list being good or just like any deck with Urza being, you know, the tier zero deck. Um, Like right now, the PO lists are going more like blue, green, black uh, for, you know, Collective Brutality, Oko, etc. But uh, one thing with the Jeskai list is. Tangrams uh, was playing a couple counter spells in the sideboard, and I was kind of just like, why aren't these silences? Um, and it reminded me of a time Chris Anderson was streaming the Cheerios deck when everybody thought that deck was like nuts before people realized that you just like leave up Lightning Bolt on turn one and they die. Um, but he said, like, silence is not only a playable card, but it's actively good in the format. And when silence is good in your format, that's probably indicative that something is wrong. Yeah. Real quick side note, I do think that the, uh, what is it called, Cheerios? Is that, is that the name of the, the, the little blue-white? Yeah, I do think that Cheerios is in a good spot, just so you know. Just, 
uh, I, I even said it for one of the one of the last couple tournaments in my team chat. I was like, "Yo, I think Cheerios might be in a good spot," and I got laughed at. But whatever. It's just, I think that spot removal is at kind of an all time low in modern right now. Like, there's there's less lightning bolts than normal. There's less fatal pushes. There's less paths than normal than normal. And I mean, they're still there. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, if you get the right pairings, like if you're just continuously against Urza decks or continuously against like Tron and stuff like that, that don't necessarily play a lot of ways to you know kill target creature. Like you can win on turn two a lot in this format. Titans, human, yeah. yeah like I'm looking at like the MTG Goldfish breakdown and like there's Burn and Jund and yeah, you gotta you gotta like, dodge Rick's that. Shadow, <laughs> yeah. But like there's also more decks like Tron, Urza, yeah. Titan Shift, what have you. You could also get some free wins game one against a lot of those decks, right? Like against John, if they don't lead on a discard spell and they don't know what you're playing, they're gonna tap out for their Goyf on two when you just have a flooded strand in play, right? And then you're gonna untap put right. the creature into play and hopefully just kill them. You know, the, the, exactly. the deck can easily do that. You know, it can easily disguise itself for one turn and, and get something done that way. You know, so um, I'm, I'm not, this is not me giving a ringing endorsement to the deck, but it is something that, you know, myself and Brendan Candy were both saying that like, maybe this should be on people's radar. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, but what did you play? Uh, did you, you stick to your trusty rug delver? Did you deviate or... So I ended up playing Rug Delver, and um, I'll say this. I was kind of... The deck's great, don't get me wrong. I actually felt like I played really well at this Open, even though we only played four rounds. You know, it's a small sample size. But I felt like at the last couple of events I played at that I definitely let some stuff slip that I normally wouldn't, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I definitely didn't play as tight as I would in a certain spot. You know, like, later I'd be like, oh, man, I messed this up. I could have played this turn differently. But then there were, you know, turns that I did play really well, too. So, but I felt overall I played well. This I just played Rug Delver, pretty pretty stockless, nothing too crazy. I had a Brazen Borrower main. For the, for the tournament, wanted to try out that card. Uh, I was not on the the Oko plan yet, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, uh, there was another part of me that kind of wanted just to play Grixis Delver at the event. Not because I think it's good or anything or in a good spot, but like, you know, this is going to be my last like open for a while. And it's kind of, you know, maybe send myself out, you know, of my, I guess, quote unquote, signature deck, even though, you know, I've played all the versions of it a lot. But uh, I actually brought Hogak with me and uh, planned up until like the day or two before the tournament to play Hogak in this event. And I did not get to get in as many reps of it as I wanted to, because um, we were spending a lot of time testing the new modern deck and trying to figure out which one, because uh, Ross was unsure which one to play up until literally the morning of the event. And I spent a lot of time on arena with Brennan trying to get solved the new standard format for the event, which we also did not do uh, terribly well at. So it was kind of a, a mess of our team when usually we're pretty cohesive and get stuff done pretty quick. So I ended up just, it's nice to like, it's nice to have that in my back pocket, right? Lawrence, like, and Steve, like, you know, if, if, if I can't get testing in with this other deck, Oh, I've got this deck that I've got I'll literally a thousand reps deck. with. <laughs> yeah. I'll just play the best deck. I played a thousand reps with it. I like, you know, I, I test with like Daryl Ayers a lot and like Bob Wong and stuff, you know, like just to name a few, you know, okay players at Delver decks, you know, they have, they have some results with the deck, if you know what I mean. And like, you know, I, I talk to you, Lawrence, a lot and I have a, I, I put a lot of weight behind what you say with the deck and stuff and really believe you and stuff. So, um, <clears throat> because you know, you know, I get to play magic a lot less than I like to, than I would like to, especially when I'm competing and stuff. So I kind of have to just lean on other people for, to, to put in a lot of the hard work for me nowadays, uh, which, you know, sounds kind of bad on their end, but I, you know, I got to do what I got to do. I'm an adult, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on at home and stuff. So I, I can't put in as much time as I wanted to. But like I said, 
super nice to have that to lean back into. And I, the deck performed pretty damn well this weekend. I still think the deck is very, very good, and it's not a bad choice ever. I just kind of wanted to play something different off the radar, something I thought was well-positioned. And I think Hogak is pretty damn well-positioned right now in uh, Legacy. There's not a lot of the card Rest in Peace, which is a card that the deck can struggle to beat sometimes. And uh, I think decks like like Hogak or things that are putting Gristlebrand into play are in very, very good spots in uh, Legacy right now. The thing is, is like, you, you, Rug Delver is really popular, right? Like, it's it's probably the most played deck at Delver, every Legacy event. Over in Miracles are, like, by far the most popular deck than any other Legacy event. Right. Yeah. Do you know what the matchup is like playing Hogak against um, Rug Delver? You just like, body you... them. Like, they have to, if they don't have turn oh, yeah. Delver and just, like, the most aggressive start possible, you you just play a bunch of, like, blacks of Analyons and kind of just kill them at some point. It's, like... I don't even try to beat Hogak when I play. They can never beat an eight. Here's some stuff. I'm just like, let's finish this match. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. They can can never beat a Hogak in a million years. Like, they can never beat an 8-8 Trampler. And then you just have this combo finish at any point in time that just kills them on the spot. Plus, you go wide, and we've always seen that the one of the problems that Delver decks has is if you can go wide against that deck, they're just dead. Like, the deck is just Dredge that actually uses mana. Um... And Dredge is another deck that I don't particularly try to beat. Like, I beat Dredge with regularity, but it's just yeah. like, yeah, I'm just like, lot. oh, my opponent's playing Dredge. Well, force all your lines, I diamond, whatever happens from here. Like, you know, if I get there, I get there. Is that, <laughs> like, is that good? Yeah. Um, I think that deck is also very well positioned right now, by the way. Uh, if you see David Long playing a deck in a tournament, it's, 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 I guarantee you it's in a really good spot. And he played that in uh, GP Atlanta and he won one of the MCQs also, with it. So, and that guy's really smart. Uh, the SCG with it. Like, uh, right. I wasn't 100% what he played. I didn't know if he went back to depths or played. Uh, I saw that he top eight. I didn't see what deck he played or whatever, but he is one of the smartest people, if not the smartest person in like the legacy community at picking decks for a specific weekend and just being right yeah, every time. Like, Dredge is one of those decks where people know it exists. They under metagame for it because nobody plays it. And when they do play against it, they often don't know like really how to play against it. So yeah. like I consider myself someone who has a decent number of reps against Dredge and has a pretty good uh, idea of how to attack it with Delver, Miracles, or whatever deck I usually play. And I'll very commonly like play a match against Dredge. I'm just like, oh, I messed up here. It's like, it's very easy to, like, screw up some random sequencing or, like, hold on to your surgical too long or, like, not identify when you need to be, like, too aggressive or whatever. Um, or when you should bolt your own creature. Yeah. <laughs> like, little little things like that, yeah. Um, I think that matchup's really hard, honestly. There's so many little things. And honestly, like, how often do you get to get reps in against Dredge? Nobody wants to play test against that. Let's be real. No one wants to go to their LGS, sit down with their buddy, and just watch them turn their deck over. You know, like, no, nobody wants to do that. So your reps come in, like, if you get random leagues in, or, God forbid, you just, over the years, have to play against it in, you know, high REL events, and just be like, I guess I can learn here right. and now. You also have a lot of people do things like board in, like, Red Blast against Dredge, and they're just like, I'll kill my creature with it. Just like that. That plane isn't good. Like, that, like no. that is not, a, not an angle of attack you want to take. Like, you just can't afford to have any cards that are dead like ever in that matchup 
Definitely agree. You, I mean, you could when DRS was legal, you could kind of just like backdoor yourself into wins because like you just had DRS on the play. You could eat there like one dredger sometimes, and you know the game would be easy from there. You like force of will, a faithless looting, or something, and in the game, depending on their build, obviously or whatever. And you could you could backdoor into win there. You don't even have that safety net anymore. And like this is another matchup where Rin and six is really bad. Like it just it just doesn't do anything. And so when you have, you know, this plan, you're like, you know, that's like one of your threats and it's not relevant at all. It makes your deck really bad. So you're you're fighting a, a very uphill battle. So any deck that has a good game against Rug Delver is a good choice to be playing yeah, at a legacy event right now. Which variant of Rug did you play? Did you play like Daryl's Stifle List or did you play the non-Stifle List? So I played Daryl Stifle List in the GP and I loved it. We did a lot of testing with the deck. I thought it was very good. Um... I thought it was really good if you know that you're going to be playing against a lot of like what I call like the Canadian decks, you know, like their four color control BS Astrolabe deck, you know, or if you're going to play against like the the three to four color snow decks, because um, you attack their mana base a lot more, like obviously with Stifle and it like lets you leverage Spell Pierce and uh, Daze a lot more, which in their matchup, what they usually do is they make the game go a little bit slower and then they just play around Daze and Spell Pierce as the game goes on. If you ever make them play at your pace, you win the game more often. You know, once you're like, you're dictating play and playing Stifle and playing the, the threat suite that we had um, allowed you to do that. For this tournament, I would have more of like traditional no bad cards rug, I guess, as you guys refer to it. Uh, like no, no stifles on my list. I played Hex Drinker for the first time, and I was super impressed with that card. Every time I played against it, it's looked like a, it looked like a turd, but I played with it, and it was actually like really sweet and like won me a match that I don't know if I would have won because I don't know if you've gotten to this yet, but I, uh, I mean, you, you could see it with me and with Daryl and I's list at the last GP. I've been trying to move away from True Name Nemesis as much as possible. You and Dylan Hobie have been. Uh, saying the same thing like he hates true name and has been trying to cut it forever i basically keep it in my deck as like a anti-tundra effect slash like they're like the threat yeah. suite is like okay in rug but like there, there hasn't been a thing that i want to cut true name for like if a card comes along that i feel is better See, i'll do it but right now it's just like i think hexer might just be better uh, huh. I think Savannah Lions might just be better because because here's the thing I liked your point and it's a good point like it's there as like it's there as tundra protection right like it's the ace in your in your hole like in your back pocket in case you play against this deck and yeah it gets it gets around source of loss here so it's nice I still beat that deck whether I draw true nemesis or not like I body tundra decks like yeah I'm gonna lose sometimes and I only lose when the player's really good and has really good draws and knows how to play the matchup anytime I play against somebody that's like you know at parity skill level or less skill level than me or like maybe doesn't understand the matchup the way i do i just crush them with with delver decks over and over again and because you you've heard my opinion i have like some pretty strong opinions on legacy decks i don't particularly think those decks are good so i don't know if you need to kind of protect yourself from tundra but it is important not to make yourself not to disrespect the deck so much that you've also made your matchup worse against them to where they can win now. Cause when you start disrespecting decks and legacy, that's when it gets bad for you. Like you're right. going to start losing. It's kind of just this thing of like, I play enough rug Delver and true name just buys me enough free wins that I'm just like fine playing it. Uh, regarding hex drinker. A lot mm -hmm. of the times for me, it's been Savannah lions. The reason I personally like the card and I'm playing two copies is, uh, there was a period where the threat curve on the deck was, too high, where it was yeah, it was that, like two Dreadhorde Arcanist, four Goy, three Ren and Six, two True Names, 
and I was running into issues where you can't cast the card days before turn like three. I was and I was gonna say that it makes it to where you can't daze. Uh, like it makes days a bad card in your deck, and now we're fundamentally right. not a Delver deck, right? And with Hex Drinker, I can do more of the like turn one ponder, more likely to hit a a one drop. I can daze my opponent's whatever on turn one and then follow up with a threat immediately, as opposed to before it was just like daze, play a fetch land, hope you don't do anything, untap Tarmogoyf, please don't kill it. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And I told you that I was doing kind of badly in a few tournaments in a row with Delver. And like, it kind of like shook my confidence. You know what I mean? Like, you know, have I been getting lucky all these years? You know, you start to have like imposter syndrome a lot. Like a lot of people, especially magic players suffer from that really bad. And I, you know, I'm no exception. Definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome. when I started losing more. And I started like reflecting on my matches. I'm like, yeah, I could have played better in this spot. I could have played better in that spot. But I started thinking about it. It started happening a lot when these new builds of the deck happened. And I kind of just listened to other people. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not saying they were wrong, but I didn't like the build of the deck because like, I, you know, I just had a lot of games where I didn't have Delver on one. And now my deck doesn't function in the way that I believe it should in the role that it should be taking in a lot of the matchups. And like you said, I want to be able to daze very soon. I don't want to have to try to daze on turn three and four where it might not do anything anymore. And if you're having to daze and like not follow up with a threat right away, that's really bad for you because now you're like falling behind. Like you said, you made a really good point. At GP Atlanta, my true names were my worst cards. Like I made it to day two, and I think I even beat what three Thunder decks in a row, and I never cast true name in those matches. But and and the Del- and all the Delver mirrors I've played, true name was just a liability in my deck. Like I couldn't. Yeah. It's really hard to cast. That card is really hard to cast and have it resolve because like you need to make. Three lands in play that produce blue mana, you know, because like they're going to wasteland you really aggressively, especially if running six. You need to not have it get dazed or force of wield in game one or whatever, you know, or red blasted in game two. And then a lot of times they're doing that, they have something else. Because here's the thing if you're starting to make all your land drops in the, in the, in the Delver Mirror, if the player knows what's up, they know they need to fight over turning into six because that's what's about to start mattering. And so that's, you know, that's, that's, what's, that's what this is about and stuff like that. And if you fail the test, if you fail the true name test, they slam theirs in return after they won the counter battle because you've you've put all your resources into that battle and you've lost it and then they just slam it down and you're so yeah that is like literally the the most common thing that happens on a lot of the delver mirrors is like you'll play yours like they'll counter you'll counter back they'll counter you back or whatever and then they'll untap and play there was like a there was like a big thing i used to do in delver mirrors when death Charm was legal where i would just straight up jam like a Gurmag Angler into my opponent's Force of Will and yeah. just not fight back because I knew they were going to have theirs. And then I would counter mm-hmm. it and then untap and like play another mm-hmm. one or like play a true name or whatever. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've done that, like at Delver Mirrors, because uh, let's let's be real, but before Ren and Six got printed and probably before True Name, those were the best matches in Legacy, right? Like the most back and forth. It felt like you were dancing. You weren't just playing Magic. You know, there's a lot of back and forth. And um, there were so many games that I would win where I felt like I appropriated my resources better because like, you know, you would do something and there would be a fight and you'd be like, okay, yeah, that resolves. And then they would just like slam something and then you would, you would counter it or you would play something they'd counter you, you'd counter back and they'd be like, wait, wouldn't you have just, wait, why didn't you counter the turn before? And you're like, well, this is more important. And I knew this was about, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, you would like, just let it happen. If I went to more tournaments, I would print off two copies of like, 2014 rug delver to just jam mirrors yeah. with people because like stifle delver mirrors pre true name and renin six were just the most interesting magic ever uh like you said there's just a whole dance of just like 
when it's, do you lead? Uh, when do you follow? Yeah. Right. It's just like a constant. That's the 20. Yeah. Constant fight over resources. I think it's everything. That's like the 2012 list, right? Because it's the 12 creatures. It's the uh, super clean one. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Sometimes like, I think stuff got added in some list at first, but before that, it was like a Sylvan library, uh, five removal spells. A bunch of counter spells and countries. Yeah, and that's when I like first started getting into Legacy. That was my first deck ever. I, I played it at Invitational. I had never cast the card Brainstorm. Literally, the first time I ever cast it was like round one of an Invitational, and it my head literally exploded when I cast. It. I was like, "Oh, this card is very hard to resolve." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" Main yeah. phase Tropical Island. Oh, yeah, I definitely doing some EOT brainstorming. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll say this: I probably EOT brainstorm more than most people because I'm very aggressive with with the deck generally when you need to be. But like, you know, I was not doing it in in, in the right ways then. But um, I definitely fell in love with it at that tournament, and yeah, I've played every variant since. So. I, I'm a big fan of that deck, if, if people didn't know somehow coming into this. Uh, th- that's actually a, a funny thing that always would happen in team events. You know, like, you'd sit down, and um, being on a team, especially with people like Ross and Brennan, there's there's a, you know, people don't talk this a lot, but we were at a disadvantage a lot in a lot of our matches because people pretty much knew what we were playing in, in all of our rounds. You know, we'd be on camera really early, or people would come up and watch us while we were in feature matches. Or, or whatever plus whoever plays me just just gets free information right like you just know what i'm playing and there was a funny one once where we were sitting down and like everybody's shuffling up and like the standard monitor player looks over to the legacy player that i'm playing against and he goes uh you, you know what he's playing right and he goes no no what's he playing and he's like dude it's tan and grace like obviously he's just playing delver and he just looks at me and he's like are you sure and it's like literally <laughs> just show him the bottom card in my deck it's just a delver secret here. i'm like yeah i don't care you can just know like or whatever like that reminds me of one time I sat down for a match and my opponent like pulls out an infect counter, like slams it down on the middle of their play mat. And I'm just like, am I getting leveled or not? Yeah. Yeah. Are they, are they <laughs> and, like I'm playing Jund at the time and I look at my opening hand, I'm like, in- it's Inquisition Bolt Liliana or something. Just like good enough against everything. It, they yeah. were on infect. I was just like, what? That's like, some, oh my God. That's some next level stuff right there from that guy. I like that. Oh, did, did he, was yeah. it was it at least the Tom Ross infect token? Uh, it may I I can't remember if it was or like the um, it might have been the one they gave you with like the what's it uh, the Phyrexian symbol or whatever. Yeah, it was something like that. It, it was the old like red sleeves, red playmat, red deck box. Are they yeah. unburned? Ninety percent of the time, yes. So. Yeah, I played against a guy on uh, uh, Arena today, and his name was Red Deck Wins. Or whatever, and I like mulliganed a hand that was not good against creatures, and my next hand was getting a creatures, and he went hollowed fountain go, and I was like, oh man, I got caught real good here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> speaking of red, you're a big fan of Burning Legacy, right? <laughs> uh, so it's really funny that you, that you say that. So we, we've had a couple of conversations about this, and one of my friends, uh, most people probably know him by his online persona of AKA Yanni. Uh, he's like a streamer. So his mm-hmm. real name is David. It sounds weird to call him David because I always just call him Yanni. Um, he played this weekend. They didn't make day two, but I think he ate one with Burn. And also, we had Burn what top eight and uh, was it top eight the Legacy Open recently or was it a team mm-hmm. open? I can't remember. It was, it was a Legacy Atlanta. Uh, oh, it's Atlanta. Yeah, the Legacy GP. <clears throat> I'm going to make some yeah. people real mad right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know something. That deck is unplayable. I don't care what those results say to you. Uh, you know, whatever. Blah blah blah. Because here's the thing. Um, I. Lawrence, I asked you this question in a personal chat that we had on Facebook, and then I laughed real hard because um, Patrick Sullivan had a rant on one of the SDG coverages about, he said the exact same thing that I did, pretty much verbatim, 
when you're playing burn what matchup are you hoping for in legacy like what land gets you excited when they when they play on the other side you're like oh yeah like free win or whatever there, basic there is. island ponder is that even good for not you not turn to counterbalance if they don't have turn to like miracles is probably your best matchup yeah um, and that if you're, like, but it could be show and tell yeah like does it beat show like and tell that, i don't, I don't uh, know if it does yeah. no no that's what yeah, i was gonna say you're bad against gristle brand right i'm sorry go ahead, so Lawrence. so the thing about burn is a burn's best matchup is inexperienced players yes um there was a period like when i was playing countertop miracles where i was like losing to burn mm-hmm. and i was like how am i losing this matchup my deck looks so good on paper so I sat down with my dude and played the matchup a bunch, and I was like, "Oh, I should force a little goblin guide on turn one." If yeah, I don't, does like six damage, <laughs> right? And that's the thing; like, people just don't sit down and play the burn matchup, so the deck looks a lot better when it does well. But like, you just got a forceful goblin guide. The like, a lot of people have this idea that you save your counter magic for price to progress and um, fire blast, and it's just like, no, just counter lightning bolts. Yeah. Like, when it's turn four and you're at 13 life and there are two cards, like, you're good. Yeah. Um, and like, you have to play really well with your lands, too. Like, not not out of miracles, obviously, but, like, right. if you're playing uh, if you're playing Delver, like, you never play an extra land. You never fetch unless you have to. You can leave up Wasteland because Wastelanding yourself saves you, saves you four life. Uh, you can Wasteland a Wasteland. You know that, right? Like, you can make the Wasteland target itself. Yep. You know, if you need to get just one land off the board... You can daze a spell that doesn't counter it. That that is a legal play that you can make. Like you can just make them pay one more just to keep your land from being in play. I've done that before. Like pick up my only land because I have like you know Termagoyf and Delver in play, and I'm like I, I don't need to cast a spell. I have like a Force of Will in my hand. I don't need actual mana. Like just attack you. Like uh, Yanni and I, we uh, went to the airport really early on Sunday because we both had like nine thirty flights, and we sat there and jammed. So he played his burn deck against me playing Rug Delver, and uh, I gave him a good whooping over a lot of games but i mean it's like you said i have a lot of experience that matchup i mean at competitive rel i've probably played like 20 something matches against burn in my lifetime in legacy which is probably 20 too many because i'm telling you right now look burn aficionados look modern is good for you play it there you're a it's a tier one deck it's got a decent enough matchup to good matchup against these po urza decks that are playing a bunch of zero drops it's fine you know punish these people for playing a bunch of do nothing cards in Legacy, your opponent is trying to kill you from the first turn of the game, and you were trying to cast five spells to kill them. Like, you need to actually cast five spells to kill your opponent in this game, and, like, that's not something you can readily do in Legacy. Like, just do yourself a favor. I know it's a, it's a cheap option. If it's the only option you got, that's fine. If you have options for other decks, you should probably pick them up and try them out. So, well, it's a... It's a storm deck on suspension. Yeah, and that yeah. doesn't sound good. <laughs> like storm can still turn one or like two you. Like burn can never do that. Right. Right. They have to get through this. Yeah, that's counters, what I'm saying. That's a, that's terrible. a good analogy. Like it's a really good analogy. Like you're just on your storm on layaway. Like you have you have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> so gotta wait yeah. till Christmas. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Like, when Grixis Delver was legal, what I found with the burn matchup was, like, you would play Deathrite Shaman, and they'd immediately Lightning Bolt it, even if there weren't creatures in the yard, for whatever reason. That's so a like win for you. Just, yeah. You would just, like, play them as healing salves, mm-hmm. and then you'd eventually just play Gurmag and kill them. Yeah. And right now, it's like you have Tarmogoy. You just play it on turn two, and then you never have to, like, tap out again, and you just get to hold up your interaction and just, like, point your Lightning Bolts at their face. It's so easy to race them, which is... Like, my biggest issue with people playing Burn with the idea that it's good against Delver, because Delver, like, 
is so good at stifling your early game. Like, maybe the burn players are playing it wrong. Like, maybe you're just supposed to, like, play draw go for three turns and then play your lightning bolts when you can play around days and spell pairs. No, that's what Yanni but, did, and it was really good. Like, he actually, you know, did not just, you know, jam a spell every turn against me. He waited to, like, overload me all in one turn, and it worked a lot. Sorry, continue. No, no, no. Like, that's the only thing I can think of, because a lot of the games where I am beating burn, it's just, like, they're trying to play uh, at a low-to-the-ground aggressive pace. And it's just, like, I can keep up. Yeah. Like, like this is not how you beat me. I'm just going to daze your thing. Yeah, you also made the other really good point to this. Every Delver deck in Legacy right now plays Termogoyf. And there was a point in time where Termogoyf was, like, not playable in Legacy, and now it's, it's you know, the bee's knees. Like, every, everyone's playing Termogoyf again. Uh, that card is a nightmare for, for the burn deck. It's like a 3-4 or 4-5 in every game for two mana. You can't kill it. Like, if you point two spells at this, I will give you a huge thumbs up as I put it into my graveyard. Like, huge thumbs up. Yeah, sure. Like, that, that sounds great. I just gained seven life or six life or whatever, you know? And... You can't beat the card anyway, so like that's what I'm saying. Your your supposed quote unquote good matchup, which by by the way, it's like never been better than fifty fifty, is even is even worse. And yeah, it did get maybe a little better for you when they started jamming a bunch of Ren and Six in their deck. Is that good? God, is that card bad in that matchup? But um, it, it, suspend it, three lightning bolt that <laughs> pumps your goyf is like like I, I mean Ren and Six is getting snap cut, but it still does things. Funny you, enough. You say that, I actually got to kill Yanni or I think someone in testing a turn earlier by using Ren and Six's ability on itself because I had two Goyfs in play. So I was like, we're going to do a damage itself, put it in the yard, you know, because it, it, it decreased the clock by a full turn or whatever. But it was just the most random thing ever. And you made me think about that. But yeah, that card is not good in that matchup at all because like you don't even want to make land drops in that matchup. Like you want one or two in play at all times. If you get up to three, one of them better be a wasteland, you know, so you can wasteland yourself or whatever in that matchup. Plus, like, I mean, the burn list I'm seeing nowadays, they don't even have fetch lands anymore. So, like, if you're playing the stifle version, you can't even, like, cheese them out. You know, like, so, back in the... Go ahead. Um, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, and you mentioning stifle just reminded me of something. One thing I found with stifle is that it's a really good card against inexperienced players. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people who just don't remember how to play around stifle. <laughs> but the people who do know how to play around stifle, like... <laughs> it's it's you get embarrassed is my oh, issue. Oh yeah. And yeah, you, you... it's like when Stifle isn't a card, you're just like, why am I doing this to myself? But when Stifle is a card, you're just like, Welcome to the Bronx, bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like there's a joke. Like I think it was like Todd Anderson wrote an article at one point in time. We like teamed together at some some team series and uh he wrote an article about like what he would play in every format and then what he thought his teammates would play in the format. And I was his teammate and he's like, Tan and Grace is probably gonna he's gonna play a Delver deck, we know that, but he's probably gonna put the god off a card stifle in his deck because for some reason he loves that card more than anyone. And you know, he wasn't exactly wrong. <laughs> I would say that he was exactly wrong. I do like that card. I've played it a lot. Um, there's a saying that I have of cards like that. I owe Stifle a lot of money. You know, it's made me a lot of money in my career. It's, I've done really well with that card in my deck. But w- what's the new saying that people use a lot? It's like this meme thing where it's just like, man, you guys act like you've never been stifled before. Or you kids look, play like you've never been stifled before on turn one. You know, like they just put their fetch land in play and say go. And like at the GP, I can't tell you how many times people just like put their fetch land in play. And we're like, go. You know, like hide information, like fine, yeah, that's it's probably correct, but I would just play one and say go, and then they would untap and like fetch, and I'd be like, hold on, I have a response, and you would see the look on their face, like they know, like in that moment, they know, they're like, I fucked up, yeah, they're just like, I fucked up, and like you would just, and like this dude, well, this one dude, like he did it right, like, he was playing, I didn't know this sec- that second, yeah, it was game one, he's playing the four color control deck, 
but he fetches and I'm like, hold on response. And, it, and he goes, am I getting stifled? And I was like, yeah. And <laughs> like you could see the blood drain from his face. <laughs> you know, this is the same uh, game that I dazed an astrolabe too. I was just like, get fucked. Get out of my game. Like this is, this is the plan with this deck. Like on, on moto, there's the 20 second pause. Oh like, yeah. The, they fetch and then you fetch. <laughs> like, but I love playing four flooded strain in my stifle list for this very reason. Like people play wooded foothills, and it's yeah. just like nobody plays wooded foothills except for people playing stifle. Oh yeah, it used like, to be like the secret thing. Like you could you could make them think you're not stifling. Now they're like you play the foothills. This this guy's got a stifle. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't even rep lands. It's just like <laughs> wooded foothills go, and they're yeah. just like they know stifle. they know what's up. Yeah, they um, know what's up. No, but like there's nothing more satisfying than flooded strain. Opponent fetches you. You fetch, they pause for 20 seconds, Stifle goes on the stack, they pause for another 10 seconds, and then just, like, go to discard. Yeah. Sadness uh, goes on the stack as well, yeah. I mean, there, it, Stifle is a hell of a drug. I, I will admit that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily good. I do think at times, like, you know, Daryl and I were talking about it, um, you just wanted to get them, you know what I mean? Like, and it definitely made the matches better. And, and a lot of the times that I've thought Stifle is good in the last, like, let's say, four or five years, because it hasn't really been good, in any of like for an extended period of time during that five year period. But the times when I thought it was good was we liked it a lot for the GP because a lot of people were going to be playing like the Edgar Magalhaes deck, you know, the, the four color, like all my lands are ridiculous, you know, just a bunch of fetch lands, but like they always try to put a bunch of basics into play. Right. And the easiest way for them to lose was to get wastelanded. If they get wasteland in the game, they're probably going to lose. You know what the easiest way to, to wasteland them is if you ever stifle them, they have to fetch a duel. Oh, for sure. Because like um, they can't cast their spells otherwise, so you force them into situations that are good for you by playing this card. And the last time I remember Stifle being good, I actually played it in a few opens. Did really well with it. Was when um, DRS was played in. What was the name of it? Checkpile was a deck. Yeah, Checkpile was a deck. And like both of those decks had the same flaw. If you ever Stifle and Wastelanded them in the same game, they had zero chance to win. So these. Big Grixis slash four-color deck all have the issue where they suck at early aggression. And if you have a particularly aggressive start, they like they have to do either two things. They have to fetch a bunch of basics, and then they can't cast like a third of their spells. Or they have to fetch lands and play into your wastelands, and that was the issue with Checkpile. Like, people would say, oh, Checkpile just crushes Delver, and you're just like, no, I play a creature on turn one, and then I wasteland them, and then I wasteland them again, and then they can't do anything because I daze everything because they're mm-hmm. two drops. Um, in in my career in Legacy, like especially like let's put it this way, I've played in probably like you know twenty something opens playing Legacy plus like you know GPS. Uh, I got to play Legacy at the Pro Tour and some other stuff. Which is, hey, by the way, that that I'm I'm never gonna forget that I got to play Legacy at the Pro Tour. That was that was an absolute treat. But um, in in my lifetime playing Delver, I'm trying to think of the decks that I think I have a like losing record versus or even like close to fifty fifty record and. There's not many, and it's definitely not check pile or four-color control. Now, let, let's say I had to play against Edgar every round. I would probably have a losing record. That guy's a master. He's very good at his deck, and he's going to leverage everything that he can. You know, you don't always play against, like, the best of the of the best of their decks. But, like, you know, there was a point in time where, you know, certain decks that I definitely struggled with, but I've gotten better and better, you know, at uh, playing against over the time. So, it, it, it's the... I, I made this joke with you a lot. Like, Delver in the time that I have played Legacy, has just been predominantly the best deck the entire time. There are times where, like, decks are better. You know what I mean? Like, it's really good to play Storm right now, or it's really good, like, there was a, what, nine-month period where Lands was just the best deck in Legacy, and every team that was winning team opens had, the like, the Lands Master on their team or whatever, right? And um, 
I don't even think lanes was particularly. You good. know what I, I mean. Think what it is is like legacy players tend to aggressively skew towards fair decks, mm-hmm. and lands as a deck has like a seventy percent matchup against like most fair decks slash mediocre players. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the legacy slot and you're just like, you can lose four matches this whole tournament, but your deck has a seventy percent win rate against everyone else. So we're yeah. just going to put you here as the highest DV play. So I think yeah. that's why lands was crushing team events as opposed to like it being a good deck in the abstract. Because like yeah. outside of team events, it wasn't. It was just Jody and Jarvis doing well, <laughs> like GPs or whatever. Yeah. But inside team events, it was just everybody doing well who had a lands player, and I think that's yeah. why. And nobody was playing Gristlebrand. People didn't know how to play. Yeah, that was the other. Like that is a perfect example, Steve. People yeah, perfect. Like, yeah, people didn't know how to play against it. They were playing poorly and oversight boarding or trying to do nonsense. And Jarvis was really good at just. If he didn't understand exactly what was going on, he just comboed off. My yeah. favorite Jarvis Yu like moment could- is that Eternal Weekend a couple years ago. His opponent has Rip Helm or Rest in Peace Energy Field in play, and Jarvis is just like YOLO, make a twenty twenty on your end step, see what you do. And his opponent picks up their cards. <laughs> they just yeah. con- they just conceded to him, and then Jarvis just like sits there with like this bewildered look on his face, and the guy's friends are staring at him. They're, he's like, "What?" And they're just like. He you couldn't weren't. kill you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, you made a really good point. Like that, I mean, when I had a losing record versus lands, like I'll, I'll be honest, when lands started to make a comeback, I had like not had, I didn't have a lot of experience against it. And it, it's weird to say that because I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Jody Keith lives like 45 minutes from me and like, you know, an hour away from me in New Orleans. And, you know, I see him at like local stuff. Like, how do you feel about that? You would go to a local legacy event here, like in Baton Rouge, right? And there'd be like 20 people playing in it. And I remember... I lost the first round of the legacy event and my matchup in the 01 bracket was Jody Keith playing lands and I'm playing Delver and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go home. You know, I'll just like save myself. I'll just save myself the time <laughs> for the rest of the day. But like, you know, after a while, like I remember I, I took my lumps, I got bodied a lot, you know, I'd win some games here or there. And then in, I think over the last couple of times I've played it, I think I'm like, you know, like five out of the last six or six out of the last seven matches that I've played against it because like you start to learn and this was pre running six too. Like I was just learning to beat the deck and stuff so it's like you said like when decks are underrepresented or only masters play them people don't know what they're what they're doing against those decks and that happens a lot and that definitely ups and uh ups win rates when maybe they even shouldn't be a lot in a legacy yeah in 2015 i remember playing blood moons in my miracles deck because i felt like i needed them like i beat chris anderson one time and he was angry and then like and it was just a funny thing because he was just it was just a blood moon like i just cheese with a blood moon and I was like, it was because I really didn't know what I was. Doing. Nothing wrong with that. And then, yeah, a year the, later, I realized I could cut near the end of top era. Every miracles list was just like very stock predict main board. Sideboard was just like three fluster storm, ten cards for the mirror, and then like two disenchants, and that was just it. It was just like entreats main board, monastery mentor sideboard, and then you just free rolled every matchup. Um, but one we didn't need. We didn't need the blood moon. No, though, right? no, I was, like once we it was one from the ashes. It was just like here's how I beat post slash randomly meme people out. Um, but one last point about stifle: it's really good when people think it's bad or have been trained to not play around it. And uh, I believe we talked about this on a previous podcast. Um, right now, if you see like tropical island go, you're not supposed to respect stifle because like. Or at least for a good period, you weren't re- supposed to respect Stifle because nobody was playing it. Um, and maybe that's changed. Maybe not. 
You know, uh, you just remind me, that is probably the deck that I probably have like the lowest win percentage of in my career, especially when you play against good players, is just uh, top miracles. And um, I don't know, you probably didn't know me well back then, but I, I, I would talk about it on like, you know, some shows that I had or podcasts that I had. Plus, I would talk about it a little bit on Twitter or Facebook or whatever I ever posted about Magic, but I'm so glad they banned top. That card is one of the most miserable cards ever made in the history of Magic. And I don't care about anyway, it. Anyway, so that's been a, episode so 10 of yeah. the Thirst for Knowledge yep. podcast. Yeah, we're done. Are, y'all, are y'all both like top fans? Did I just... Steve and I actually met each other because we both played Miracles. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. So like the whole thing with that deck is like there, variance in magic is a good thing, right? And if you were a competent pilot of top Miracles, variance basically stopped existing for you. Yeah. So, like, if somebody asked me how to beat lands, I would go step one, play basic lands. Step two, play counterbalance. Step three, sandbag your fetch land for ba- or basic plane so you can plow their merit lage. And then you're going to kill them with Jace while floating a two drop on top of your deck yep. with counterbalance. And, yep. Or a three drop. And, for the yeah, and, three. Yeah. And, like, for a lot of decks, somebody would say, well, that just sounds like magical Christmas lands. And, like, with Miracles, that wasn't. That was, that was literally, that was how I killed every lands player. Mm-hmm. Every game one, just yeah. religiously. And my problem with top had nothing to do with the actual deck or you know uh, matchups. It had to do with the way the games play out. And you're gonna hear a lot of people make possibly top uh, comparisons to Field of the Dead in in standard. It's just the games in which that the games that involve top are just miserable. Like the gameplay is bad. It takes forever. And I mean, we don't have to go down this road. Like we can just leave this right after I'm done. But like. You know, I remember a match, like my only non-intentional draw in the history of Legacy was against Miracles. And, you know, we played probably what, like a, a 50, 55, 60 minute round after, you know, time, you know, and the extra turns. I may have had priority for 15 minutes of that entire thing. Yeah, I used to joke that, like, if you're going to register Miracles in a tournament, the judges should pull you aside and give you a top spinning like check yeah. like how fast can you spend your top on average and like if you don't pass you just don't get to play miracles you don't get to play yeah the first um, and you're not allowed to spend top in combat and then spend top end step and then spend top yeah. upkeep and just like ugh. i wanted to, i wanted to i wanted to like flip the table when they did that you know i'm just like come on man like <laughs> so the whole thing about miracles is like you got way faster at spinning top as you understood matchups because like as you played matchups, you realize that like fifty percent of your deck didn't matter. So top spinning stopped becoming like spin top. Oh man, what am I looking for? You just get to like pre memorize. You know, I'm playing right, setups. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just like spin top. These three cards are just bad in the abstract, and I'm going to keep going. And All there's right. a redo quote uh, mm-hmm. that was like, "There's so many decisions with miracles that if you try to make the perfect play every time, you're just not going to finish a match." Yeah. So. So don't do that. Just, uh, just make the reasonable play. Like, don't try to make the ninety percent play. Make the seventy percent play, and you're going to win most of your matches. And that's because you make more plays. Right. Yes. And that's just how I approached miracles. Like, learn the matchups, spin top as fast as possible, and make plays almost at random, and you'll be fine. All right. So I have a question. Since since both of you all are such miracles guys and we're talking about this do you think miracles is primed for a comeback with this new land no. uh, you're not a mystic you're not a mystic sanctuary fan you're, you're not a believer i love mystic sanctuary oh, I, I love too. it i think it's a really but, cool card 
but Ren and Six is still uh, so. so hold on, can I, can I tell a funny story real quick? Yeah, go Lawrence, for it. So uh, Lawrence, it actually involves Lawrence. Uh, when I was driving up to Atlanta, it's like an eight-hour drive for me for for the Grand Prix. Um, that card got previewed while I was making the drive. And so, uh, like a, a responsible human being, I'm looking at my phone while I'm driving, you know, 80 miles an hour in the interstate, and uh, I read the card. And um, I have this, like, open invitation to write for uh, face-to-face whenever I want. I just, like, haven't actually done it because, you know, I've been so busy and stuff lately. But um, I immediately, like, snapped uh, snapped off of the editor. I was like, hey, can I write an article on Mystic Sanctuary and Modern and Legacy? And I just had, like, n- copious amounts of notes on like what to do all this stuff blah, blah, blah. i'm in the back of my mind it's like you know i'm brewing like crazy i'm like man this thing is so good it's so broken and i call lawrence on the phone like lawrence and i have an actual conversation on the phone because i'm i'm being responsible at this point i'm not typing anything out you know and i'm talking with him for like a few minutes and then lawrence goes tannin i'm like what and he goes you realize you need three islands in play for it to trigger, right? <laughs> oh, God. It's the same stupid thing yeah. you said to me I every time. One, and I was like, Jeez. this card is broken. I, I talked like, about this last week, but I was in a group chat yes. um, with one of my friends who's actually really championing this card. And uh, the conversation went, holy shit, this is busted. Wait a second. You need three islands. I'm off of it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm not. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And that <laughs> was the funny part because, like, after yeah. I got off the phone with you, I messaged the editor and I was like, uh, maybe, maybe I was too fast. This article, I might not do it. And he goes, Yeah, it's three islands. Like, he, he, just, he just knew. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, that moment yeah. is just like the living embodiment of that meme where, like, the, the woman, like, takes a sip of a drink, gets disgusted, and is like, uh, maybe. Like, that's, that's exactly what happened with this card. You always got to um, take at least the second sip. Been, the first one might have been wrong. You got to take at least the second sip. Here. This. This has been going on for like four episodes because like I was talking about it with them and it keeps telling me like three islands, Steve. And I'm just like, but it's, but it's mystical too. Like, and he's just like, no. And then last episode, I opened the show notes up and it says mystical sanctuary, the next big thing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's just going to get you. He's gonna, and I, yeah, we'll, get sorry, to, sorry. we'll get to another card where there is a three mana walker that was too slow. And I opened up Twitter the other day. And my buddy is playing this card. Are we talking about, we talking about Loco Oco? <laughs> um, yes. Um, I, I saw some stuff this weekend, by the way. You know you know the meme, like, I, I've seen things. I saw some stuff this weekend. I watched Oko turn a 2020 into a 3-3, and then it got bolted. You know, I watched uh, a Jitte get turned into a 3-3, and then I watched Oko grind out miracles. Think about it. This card makes a card that gains life, and it ground out miracles because, you know why? It's a 3-3 every other turn. So, uh, well, I guess we'll get to Mystic Saints. Come back. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, so I thought about playing Oko. I, I mentioned that I was kind of prepping for a modern GP. So I've been chilling on Legacy a bit. And last week, I played the Royal Scions and Delver because I was curious. No. Not worth playing. No. <laughs> no. Not, like, it's not worth playing. Like, I still, like, did well in the leagues. But mm-hmm. it was just, like, it didn't matter. And... I thought about Oko, but I was like, I need to test modern, so I'm just not going to try it. And I saw Capolo41 uh, tweet about it, and he was playing two copies. He was like, I think it should be a one of. And I was like, yellow, I'll try it. So I throw, I cut a preordain for my deck for Oko in. 5 0 my league, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, it was weird because I drew Oko three times. One time against the Jeskai Mentor deck, and it just, like, popped a Mentor and then died immediately. Like, my opponent on tap played three spells, or they brainstormed in response, played three spells, killed Oko. And I'm like, works for me, I won that game. Yeah. 
And then the other two times were when I got paired against Burn twice in that league, which was funny. No. <laughs> yes. Burn? That's the other yeah. thing. People are playing Oko now. Put the Burn cards away. Like, I, one game I go, Oko, make a food, pass, untap, make a food, crack the first one. My opponent concedes. Yeah. Ganked the other match, I go, Oko, make a food. My opponent untaps, pauses for three minutes or something. And then they go, Fire Blaster, Oko. I have Hydro Blast in hand. And I'm like, I, I decided to play Oko with Hydro Blast now. So I'm like, okay, they Fire Blast Oko. If they Exquisite Firecraft it, I'm fine with that. Uh, they have three cards, five mana. Like, if they Fire Blast Exquisite Firecraft, whatever. So they Fire Blast, then they uh, Skewer the Critics, Oko. So I Hydro Blast that, and then they Fire Blast again. <laughs> so my opponent went from three cards, five mana to one land, zero cards, uh, and I was at... And you had a bunch of dazes, no, right? That was the first match. The second match, I just had Oko okay. and a food token, okay. but I was at 13 life. Like, my opponent uh, burned 11 points of burn dealing with an Oko, and I just, like, untap, crack my food, and then attack them, and they're just like, uh, and see. Yeah, um, I mean, like, I don't think the deck can beat that card. Yeah, like, on Friday, I played that league, and I immediately messaged Zach Hanner, just like, play Ogo. I promise you, it's worth mm-hmm. it. Um, he said that he beat Jeskai Mentor with it, just the whole, like, Bitter Blossom every other turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played against Show and Tell. They cast Show and Tell. They fight over it. He puts in his second land. They put in an Emrakul. He untaps and Ogo's the Emrakul. Nice. Um... Brian Cove also saw the tweets and decided to play Oko in the Sunday Classic. Top 8's with it has stories of, like, it being good. Um, I think the card's just really good. It's it's nice that it's... it Like you said, it produces threats. Um, I played a game against White Eldrazi where I played, like, a complete bonk. But, like, Oko turned a chalice into an elk. And then they played Sword of Fire Nice, and I made a food thinking I could steal it, because I just, like, didn't really read the card, because I was like, yeah, whatever, I can steal Artifact or something. Uh, turns out I couldn't steal their sword, so I just turned it into an elk anyway, and it was just like, alright. And then I traded the food for the chalice, or the sword or whatever. Just, like, the card's dumb. Um, yeah. I, it's also it's also a planeswalker that can be pitched to force of will or force of negation which is like you know it's always the argument when when delver you're like is this card actually good well it's blue so it at least has the second mode of you know in a well that's a real thing right now no for like, sure rug's got rug's got a terrible blue count because of running six termogoyf yeah like you're playing a lot of and hex drinker yeah. you're playing a lot of cards that aren't blue so I'm, I'm a big fan of adding threats back in that are blue and also, Lawrence knows how I feel about uh, how I feel about Ren and Six. I mean, I, I almost didn't play it in my main deck at the GP. You know, like I was very close to not playing the main. Then it was like one, and then we were just worried about you know playing its depths a lot. So we ended up going back to two. And I was the big proponent of Ren and Six at the beginning. I mean, like Lawrence can attest to this. When that card got spoiled, and people were talking about like Agro Loam and Lands and all these decks that to put it in, I literally messaged him, "Put it in your Delver decks, idiots! Like this card is busted in Delver." You know, this is before like it even got played anything. Yep. I was like, this is actually just really good in Delver and stuff. So, and I was a big proponent of it at first, but I will say this overall: I'm a, would not cry a single tear if they banned the card. I I hate what it's done to Legacy. But I've I've been playing nothing but Ren and Six, and I look forward to the day where I can play other things. Like, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned Delver has been like the best deck for. 
yeah, like, majority of your time playing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like no, over yeah, the yeah, span yeah. of the of, of the time. It's just it's just like, the best deck. Yeah. Like the thing about Delver is like a lot of people say my deck is good against Delver, but Delver doesn't really have bad matchups on paper except for like. There's a few. Yeah, yeah. There's like Moonstompy, Moonstompy Depths and Ants are like the only decks that I play against right now, and I'm like, oh man, this could go really bad for me. Otherwise, I just kind of beat the brakes off of everything else. Yeah. And, like, Delver's bad matchups are players. Just people who understand how to play against Delver, and a lot of Legacy pilots just don't understand, like, what the deck is trying to do and how to play against it. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely and, agree. Um, yeah, but speaking of Oko and Dylan Hovey, you, you know, you don't like True Name. He doesn't like True Name. He tried a list with two Okos in it, and... I'm currently staring, I have Moto up, and I'm staring at a deck list where I may try, like, cutting both of the tree names, adding a second Oko, and then the third Hex Drinker, and just seeing how that works out. I don't know if it's good, that's, but I'm curious. That's my list right now. Just two Oko, three my Hex list, Drinker? It's, it's two Oko, three Hex Drinker, one Booting Mandrels, and then the Fiery Islets, a Watery Groove. Yeah. It's called. Never been a big fan of those lands, right. but yeah, uh, waterlogged grove maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah I actually it. like them in as the nineteenth land. I, I think it works. Okay. Um, yeah, as nineteen, I can get behind it. When people are still playing eighteen with that, I'm not the biggest fan. But no, it's the nineteenth because of because of red and six and everything. Like I put it in the deck and it operated very well for yeah. me, so I stuck with it. But I switched it because it's so green now because the three. Hex Drinkers means you actually are looking for a turn one prop mm-hmm. more often. I mean, you are a blue green. It is just a blue green deck now. You know, you have like a splash, you yeah. know, like a busted card. So, yeah, for years, Delver was uh, blue, red, splash, another color. Yeah. Um, now it's blue, green, splash, red. So, yeah. I'll try the Waterlog Grove. Um, but yeah. I actually have four. I have four Okos now, Lawrence. Are are you you mean in the deck or just in general? Like you own four Okos? No, in total. No. Are they proxies or are they real cards? They're real cards. For those who don't know, uh, Steve refers to non-foil cards as proxies because he's balling on us broke bitches. Dude, I only have one Oko and one Royal Scions when we said, and both of them are foil. It's the only ones I've opened. I'm like, I, I, I guess I'll take this problem, but I, you know me, I, I'm actually the other way around. I don't, I don't like foils and stuff. So, yeah, I, I play with non foils preferably, mm-hmm. uh, but I can respect like the all foil game. Uh, it's like when people get into weird mixes, it's when I think things are suspect. Yeah, agreed. It, I mean, I, I play predominantly at high REL stuff. Like, I don't I don't play for, you know, quote-unquote fun. Like, I don't play casually a lot. So, like, I'm just going to always make my deck that way. You know, like, the most presentable way possible at, like, high REL's. Like, I don't even... <clears throat> I don't even like dealing with a foil if I, if I can avoid it. Like, I will go out of my way to make sure that I don't have that stuff in my deck. I, um, I had to pick up two more because, you know, the Bant Miracles? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, well, I am. You're playing no, that I, now? No one else is. You don't have to worry about that. Oh. Uh, someone else actually, do it? Uh, one, of, one of Callum's homies, 5 to leave with Bant Mentor that ran a bunch of Okos. Um, or like one or two or something. Can we? This is the perfect example of why they need to stop printing busted three mana Planeswalkers. Because like, here's oh, the thing. Yeah. I think Oko is an okay card. In general, what happened? What I mean, like I'm putting my mind, I'm putting myself in the, in the place of, uh, in the spot of play design. One thing got mixed somewhere. 
Like one of the, you know, they're both pluses. Like one of them should have been either like a zero or a minus, or it shouldn't have started at X. It should have started at X minus one for yeah. its loyalty. You get what I'm saying? Like one little thing went wrong somewhere and that's what makes this card this good. And if you change one of the things by like half a unit, you know, one why, full unit, like the, the card goes from why does it busted both to points, good. Right. You know? Like yeah, that's, that, that's like what I'm one saying. Of those like, yeah, like, like, you, no, the elk exactly. Should yeah, definitely yeah. be a minus. Yeah, the elk should like, probably just be a minus because right. it's it's not a detriment. I mean, it's a de- yeah. Like I, I was actually like animating yeah. astrolabes and attacking people when they were. I think that's not happening enough yet. That, that's what I haven't been seeing enough in the list is that people aren't getting attacked yeah. by astrolabes enough, and that I just seems like that should be something that should be happening. I can't find this dude's list, but he had astrolabes in the ban list, and you can like swap your astrolabe for your opponent's yep. delver, and then just like. <laughs> Yep. Get it back or something. Like, <laughs> just just like bounce, bounce it somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, with, like you can animate it and bounce it with Jace. Jace, yeah. Like, let's say, yeah, like, I don't yeah. Or Teferi. Uh, that's gas. Teferi is actually gas. That is actually like something I could I can see being a thing in the future. Like give them your astrolabe, play a Teferi, bounce your astrolabe. Like that's actually yep. actively good. If that happened to me, I would just concede on the spot out of the audacity of what's <laughs> happening. I'd just be like, I, I can't let you do this to me anymore. Yeah, this person had two Narset in their list, but I, I like, with three Astrolabe and two Oko, I think maybe some Teferi should be uh, the go-to no, had, here. That whole synergy yeah, I had is just disgusting. Just because the Astrolabes. The only reason I had to put the Astrolabes in was because with the one trap in the main and the one force in the side, it, it couldn't operate, and it made it easier to cast all your nonsense spells plus have mystic sanctuary that you guys were getting ready to talk about so you're you're just doing all the uh, things aren't you that's what i believe in yeah <laughs> steve does steve does the most it's it's not wrong with it um so yeah mystic sanctuary my buddy josh is currently 15-0 with a list that'll be posted in the show notes um and I played a league with the list. My only loss was to uh, Eldrazi Post, which is like an abysmal matchup for Miracles unless you have like three Mentor 2 back to basics and then you can like cheese them out just enough. But its construction is very similar to top Miracles. He has 12 cantrips, two spell pairs, three counterbalance, two Snapcaster Mage, four AK, one Entreat the Angels, one Council Judgment, one Monastery Mentor, and then like three Jason Forces and Terminus. Um... And, like, one of the things, like, the strength of the deck is that at a certain point, you just machine gun your opponent with interaction. Like, uh, you know, you mentioned Hogak, and my buddy Luke played, has been playing a lot of Hogak, and he lost to Miracles at one point because they just went Terminus, fetch, Terminus, fetch, Terminus. So, like, this engine of, like, rebuying back Terminus or treating, like, there are a number of matches where I just like slammed entreat and then slammed a second entreat on them mm-hmm. and got to flip the table from infinitely behind. Yeah. But, I mean, even uh, just the value plays from a six sanctuary enough to bury a lot of decks, right? Like, Let's say you get a counterbalance in play and they cast a two drop. If you fetch in response with Mystic Sanctuary and put like a, an AK on top of your deck, or like another AK in your yard or whatever, like, a I, lot of decks aren't recovering from that play. I, I've done that, posted a screenshot on Twitter, just... It's vomit-inducing, like, I, if I was just sitting there and it had happened to me, I wouldn't want to play anymore. I'd just be like, yeah, this is not fun, you know? <laughs> like, I'm getting I'm getting yeah. ranched, you know? At times, it's reminiscent of uh, 
since they survived in Yeah, yeah. Ved, Ved, uh, against Sneak and Show, cast and treat the angels for zero angels on one turn, just so he could, like, leave a fetch land crack into a three drop. Um, I like that. That's actually kind of cool. That's, that's like one of those uh, big brain plays you don't see all the time, and you, you hope get on camera, you know, like, you know, like the cool plays that you make in legacy. Like I've got some stories of these awesome plays, you know, these roundabout things, but like, they're not on camera. So it's like, you know, you don't get to you know, re- relive it and stuff. You just wish it happens. Right. Um, but not like, I like the list, but I just have issues with miracles as a strategy in general. Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Like your deck has a really awkward early game. And like this list just has counterbalance as it's making like counterbalance and AKR are the mid game completely. Um, and then like your late game is just like machine gunning and treating angels are chase. And I feel like there's a lot of space for all that to go wrong. Um, and one downside of sanctuary is you're fetching Tundra a lot more. Uh, like I played a match against this deck last night. Uh, I asked my opponent, like if they were on the 75 and they said, yeah. And I just kind of clowned them like game one. I got to like run in six wasteland, lock my opponent because they like played a tap mystic sanctuary at one point. Yeah, like they had to fetch a planes or like get a tundra. Like I got to wasteland, lock them. It was like gross for them. Um, this deck doesn't play like you just have the two spell pairs, so you're able to like push some stuff through in the early game, but like you can't force through the mid game terminus. And knowing about that just changed how I played because I just disrespected them the first three turns and just like played a bunch of creatures and then like just kept up mana to force a will through spell pierce or like kept double force in hand which you know that's definitely a downside um like I feel like I feel like there's something here like the core of the deck is good there's definitely something here um I'm not Oh, what were we saying? Well, I don't. I, I, with the lists that don't play the astrolabes, I feel like prey, they fall into the trap because they need to put their planes up in the early game to fight and not die because their real only interaction is towards plowshare. So then they miss the sanctuaries like turn five or six. And I think that's just way too fair for legacy. I mean, I don't. So it's necessarily like too fair for legacy uh i just think that <clears throat> you know you're increasing your power in the late game or increasing your consistency in like the mid to late game but you're adding more variance in the early game right like you have a better flood mechanic but in the early game you can stumble a but, bit harder uh which is a problem <clears throat> but you're down a lot of cards you're you're down a lot of cards because you're because those land drops like from playing Delver, you I mean, you you've instantly have two or three more cards because you get to stop at three. You know, not even counting if Ren and Six is in play. So like you're by going to six lands, you're actually dro- you're dropping significantly in my opinion, land count. Yeah, and like AK helps, card count, like, actual AK card. kind of crushes Delver once it gets going. Uh, but the issue is just like the Delver decks attack from so many angles. Uh it's just like building miracles is a very uncomfortable balance right now to me. There's like so many cards you want, but maybe not have room for. And like, 
Brad Bonin played Predict at the SCG, and he, one of his comments was like, people finally realize that if you counter Predict, you just leave your Miracles opponent drawing a bad card, and just like get kind of like a pseudo draw step time lock. And he just said that like that kept happening to him, and you know, so you're kind of forced to play AK in that regard, and then you have less space to actually try to like fit interactive effects in. And one of the tenets of this build is like Josh and Menhajol have been very adamant that 12 cane trips is correct, uh, even Ved. And like that leaves you with so much air. Uh, like when you're just <clears throat> like when you're cantripping into cantrips, it's miserable. <clears throat> but like this deck really wants to find that first copy of terminus. Like the deck really is leaning in super hard on finding certain effects, which is very similar to like the original philosophy behind Four Ponder Miracles, which was play as few copies of a given interactive effect as necessary and just play a bunch of cantrips so you can find the first one a window where it's just gonna break your opponent's back. And Sometimes the deck is consistent enough to do that. Sometimes it's not. We'll see. Um, I've already seen some innovation with the list. Uh, Thomas, uh, I can't. Berkemeyer. Yes. There we yes. go. Uh, he he decided to add us on Twitter. Uh, he played a take on Josh's list. Uh, but he has one Spell Pierce, one Spell Snare, and one Deprive, and he cut the fourth portent. Um, and Steve, you mentioned Deprive last week. I wasn't big on it, uh, because it's like a really bad fail case, but he said that like the Deprive lock was very real in the late game, so maybe maybe that is something worth exploring. We've lost hand on uh, Deprive lock. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm here for it. I mean, like it sounds miserable for your opponent or whatever. So I mean, I'm in for it. That's that's the goal of the miracles deck. So yeah, so maybe that's something worth exploring. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm very excited about Mystic Sanctuary as a card, and I'm excited for what it does for miracles. But I'm not sure of the correct build to properly. Like you don't. It's not necessarily exploited, but it's just like the proper build of miracles to attack the format. Like. How do you answer depths, the like random graveyard decks that are popping up, still be good against combo, and then also have answers for like run? I don't think you can, because you don't have a way to actually be proactive. You're still a reactive deck. Like I do like the Okos a little bit because it kind of lets you react and then become proactive, but it's a three mana play. While Red and Six is still around, yeah. and Red and Six is I think far far scarier. I think a lot of the lists right now are just leaning very heavily on, um, like, Counterbalance and AK. Like, like the whole idea behind AK is you just outdraw your opponent. So, like, you know, you can use your, like, totals of resource, draw a million cards, and then just slam a bunch of cards into your opponent and flip the table on them. Or, like, you have the Counterbalance. Well, it's just, like, them. I don't but, understand uh, how Burn's being played because there's Blue Blast flying around, like Tana was talking about. Like, we didn't even get to, like, Hydro Blast is actually playable. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't like counterbalance and AK because like I'm playing counterbalance but everyone has spell snares and spell pierces because Renin 6 is around so like the metagame is kind of adapted and I don't know if it's the right time to play counterbalance as your lock piece but I don't know yeah it's uh it is awkward uh 
that is something I was also concerned with. Um, like two drops are being hated. I don't know. Like I, I really think there's something here, and given time, I could probably solve a list or come up with a list that I like. Um, but like right now, it's just like I don't know if I should because the Delver decks are just so free to play. It it's like <clears throat> I enjoy deck building exercises. But I also just, like, don't want to feel like I'm slamming my head against a wall. So, I don't know. Like, I, I'm i curious to see where Josh goes with this build and other people go. And I'm sure I'll be, like, a part of those discussions and, like, shooting out ideas. But I don't know how many leagues I'm going to be playing with Miracle soon. Um, outside of, like, coaching sessions with people. Makes sense. It doesn't seem like a deck I'd want to put in a ton of time with myself, but like I've played it in events and stuff before. It's it's definitely not wrong. I mean, Mystic Sanctuary is obviously a super powerful card, and I think that's like kind of where you have to leave it, right? Like like it's like you said, you have to find the right build for it. Like how heavily do you lean into it? Do you want to start playing some suboptimal cards to make that card Fortune. good? You know, Fortune. stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah, that card has never impressed me. But anyway. Uh, Supportant's oddly good in this list, uh, partially because of, like, so Sanctuary Portant's a real combo when you have the first Terminus. So I actually, I normally don't play Portant. I normally play Preordain in my list, and I actually can get behind Portant and really like it in this build. Uh, it, it actually has, like, the right amount of synergy at this current moment, especially with, like, Entreat Angels as well. Um, but I don't know. It's it's just really hard to want to test a lot of like new decks or try and tune decks because of Delver and uh, with Miracles. Like I could probably build a list that like if you give me five decks in Legacy that you think are the best, like Delver, Depths, uh, Ant, what else? Like maybe some other combo deck, Animator Shell, or what have you. I could build a Miracles list that beats those decks. Death and Taxes or whatever. But the issue is, like, then I'm going to start losing to a lot of the, like, lower-tier random stuff that people play. Uh, and I don't know how how much... Well, you never have a proactive play. plan. You never have a proactive. Like, you don't have a free wins. You have to work for all your wins. Where right now, I think your Delver deck... Like, for me playing in GP Atlanta... I got a million free wins with Delver. So I, I can't, I, I don't think I've really expressed how like crushing the late game of this deck is like machine gunning your opponent with Entreat Angels just steals games. There are a lot of games. You can be losing the first five or six turns and just like Entreat, Entreat and the game is over, which is really nice. So the, like the, the questions are, how do I survive the early game the best? And then how do I bridge the early game into the late game? Because, like, I have the late game solved. And the deck is playing a lot of cantrips, and it has, like, plows and spell pairs, so it, like, has an okay early game plan. And then counterbalance is sometimes good at bridging into the mid-game. It depends on the matchup. Uh, and then, like I said, your late game is trivial. So I'm not quite I was, sure. I was forced to negation the other day, know. and I was sad. My entree went away forever, and I died. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's that has been playing a um, <clears throat> has been playing like a verdict or two 
because like terminus was just being force negation and it's like your whole engine of like building around mystic sanctuary being good uh doesn't do anything plus like my with me having delver like right before you guys called me and my son were playing delver versus grixis control and he, teaching him stifle has been great like he actually like he, he I, I waited and waited i fetched he stifled on my five mana force will, and I'm like, got this. And he's like, stifle again. He just looked at me. He's like, put it in the graveyard. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so, this is a good moment for me. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like this kid. It was, it was terrible. It was the second swamp I needed for Lily. And he like knew I was playing for Lily. So it was, it was fun. I don't know. I, I don't, you don't have to have those. I don't have those fun stories. Whenever he hated miracles. Like, he actually hated playing against it. And I'm pretty sure everyone secretly hates playing against the deck. It depends. Like, yeah. I I kind of hit a point where, like, when you decide to play a format and you sign up for a tournament, you just, like, consenting to whatever anyone can do in that format. Whatever, shenanigan- whatever shenanigans you run into, yeah. Yeah, so I just, like, stopped caring about, like, enjoyment of matchups, I guess, or, like, disliking certain decks. Like, some people hate on Tron, and it's just, like, I'd rather solve the puzzle of how to beat you more consistently. I'm right, I'm right here, Lawrence. <laughs> like, here to talk about Tron. I'm right yes, here. Yes, <laughs> that is exactly why I said some people hate on Tron. Like, yeah, it's the perfect example. Like, a lot of people just, like, hate on the deck so aggressively. I think oh, I got like, asked a lot when I started playing it. Like, they were like, why Tron? Yeah, no, I get it. It's like, you just flex on them. Like, people... Yeah. Like, decks that are good that people hate playing against are even better than they should be. Because nobody's sitting down and going, hey, I, I want to test my Tron matchup as junk. Yep. You're just like, I'm going to jam four full meters on my sideboard, and I'm going to beat them 30% of the time and tell people I beat them 40%. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, exactly. I, I like the dagger, though. Thank you. It's a, yeah, the second place dagger, the dagger. Tron dagger. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what the next one's going to be. Uh-huh. One thought scour. I could one me. thought scour deck or you. You had a lot of rug delver decks with Jesus. one thought scour. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me. I think Lawrence does, but thought scour is probably in my top five magic cards okay. of all time. I'm not saying it, it is a top. I'm saying in like my personal. There's like a lot of five. one like one I, thought scours. I was always mm-hmm. like, why the mm-hmm. one? Like, uh, there was some reasoning, but it's way too long to talk about on here. Um, I will say this. Hold your card, my guy. Oh, oh yeah. There was okay. So there was also um, I think two opens in a row where I top aided with a deck that had four thought scours in it, and this was during DRS days. Like I had four thought scours, like three or four Garmags in those decks. I was convinced at the time that was how the deck should have been built, and I put up the results that go along with it because in the mirror, pretty much all that mattered was Garmanging as fast as possible, and thought scour was just good enough. You know, like it, it gave you food for your DRS. It made you. Gourmet Angler faster. It made Liliana the Last Hope better. By the way, you're welcome for that one too. That was me. Um, for anyone who does who wants who wants to give credit for certain cards, and uh, I mean, like, also, I mean, I, I played decks where I was playing Stifle still, and I played Thought Scours with it because there's nothing worse than leaving up Stifle and them not doing anything, and you just wasted your mana because like that's, that, that's a very easy way to lose a legacy. Yeah, that's part of why I generally don't play Stifle decks. Like, yeah. The floor on the card is so terrible. It's insane. And, it's like one of the worst cards in Legacy, like when you're playing it. Like in the and, room, you have one of the worst cards that is sleeved up in your deck. Yeah, the one that's good. 
but when it's good, oh boy. <laughs> I just always remember seeing the one ofs in your rugs, your rug list, and I was always like, I wonder how many terminus he's got with that. Because that's what I always figured. Like the, a lot. the activation happened, and that's when the thought scar came down. The top, the top was tapped, and then you were just like thought scar. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I've done, yeah, I've done that. Uh, I've thought scarred myself a lot during my own upkeep after like brainstorming. Okay. And stuff a decent amount, uh, revealing for Delver Secrets. It's like an extra fetch land that's a blue card, you know, that played along. There was a lot of stuff. I mean, we joked about it when you had the Gurmag builds, it was Dark Ritual, the yeah. Drew card, you know, like and stuff. So, um, it was, it was just good enough a lot of the times. Um, in, I mean, I will die on the hill of Stifle and, and, uh, Thought Scour quite a bit because those cards are some of my favorites of all time and they're unassuming and they just carry a ton of weight. Like for someone, Who's played Portent? You, I feel like you can't get me for playing. Uh, no, for playing Ooh, Thought Scour. I don't play Portent. You're not going to get me on that one. I know you say, yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm saying, someone who's played Miracles, and like most people have registered the card Portent, I feel like I'm safe registering Thought Scour. Mine's at least an instant. True. I will agree with you. I mean, Portent doesn't come in foil. <laughs> so I'm not a Portent fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a hard time. I couldn't miss out yeah. on that. Oh, no, you're, stuff, you're, so. I'm with you. Portent's a real bad card. Thought Scour is way better. Also, real quick, just the, like the, la- the last little thing about that. Um, anyone who plays Delver or a lot of decks with just tons of cantrips, like, you know, you've played Miracles and stuff, you can attest to the power of one ofs in your deck and how often it is. I mean, you don't want to draw the card super often, but when it's good, it's really good. And so you could play one of in your deck because you have Brainstorm to Brainstorm away, but you also are playing, you know, somewhere between, you know, 10 to 15, 16 cantrips in these decks. You're going to find yep. that card. <clears throat> and stuff and so it just makes it a lot better in legacy like i wouldn't be doing that as much in like standard and modern I played, and stuff. i played a fire and ice in that same spot a fire ice so that i was always like looking at it like Ooh. so that's the one that i never registered i saw always saw a lot of other people talking about it you know it's a fork bolt that you could pitch to force of will and stuff you know it cost you mana i never got around to actually trying it and there's some spots where like you know i wanted to tap yeah, merit lage that's, and that that, yeah, won a that's game exactly where you know tap merit lage or grizzle yeah. brand like because you, you mm. finally lost the counter battle and it was just it was right. your way to get through and win. I don't know. Yeah, I I never got around to trying that one. That was like one one of the few ones because I've I've registered some weird cards in my Delver decks. I'm sure if you if you Googled me and, and looked at some of my lists, which I assume you have, since you're giving me the the business on the one thought scour, I've, I've got some weirdos in some of those decks. So I'll I'll be I'll be fine I being wrong. I, I think it's a very important anything. thing. I know your old stuff. I don't know about your newer stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say there were. Ahead, I, I knew the I, we met like a long time ago, but I want to mm. say it was 2013 or 14. So I want to say it was before Jersey. Did you go to GP Jersey? Okay, New Jersey. I did. Maybe it was there. I did. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I played in that tournament. Yeah, that was a that was a I- interesting time. We had Treasure Cruise yes. in the format, and that's all that people just had Pyroblast me yep. everywhere. Like every deck had Pyroblast main. Delver decks didn't play days. Like that was. <laughs> yeah. So it was a different. Uh, I, yeah. I was going to say, my friend did really well at that tournament with a deck that we put a lot of time and effort into it. It was called Food Chain. <laughs> <laughs> I. The first, the first non-Delver deck I ever registered in a real legacy tournament was Food Chain, and I, I played a nine-round open with it. I think I like seven-two, and I didn't combo until round nine. 
Like I would just beat people yeah. fairly and stuff. And uh, actually, it was very good. I put in a ton of effort. I mean, the time and effort. But I was like, man, you're just making it harder on yourself. It's like when you play miracles, you're just making it harder on yourself. Play a deck that's like more proactive and kills people. Have you ever have you ever tried a mana maze in your Delver deck? So I saw y'all freaking out about this the other night. I don't, what does that card even do? I kind of so, forgot. Let me explain the story. So I've been bored and... Like, I'm Googling this right now, by the way. Uh, like, my experience playing Legacy lately has mostly been, I'm going to try this deck in Modern. Oh, my Mana Traders account doesn't support that. Guess I'll play a Legacy League, and then I like 4-1 or 5-0. Uh, good old humble brag. Right, gotta get that, that yeah, motor clout. Gotta like, um, dust it off your shoulder a little bit. Yeah, good. Yeah, so... Way back in the day, a local guy named Jacob Roth, who used to be like a rug delver bench hitter, would play a copy of Manimate in his sideboard to mess with Storm and Miracles players. Uh, and what the card does is it's a two-minute enchantment uh, from Odyssey or something. And it says players can't cast spells that share a color with the spell most recently cast this turn. Uh, so like against the control decks, they would Terminus, you would counterspell, end of story, unless they like had a red blaster they would like plow in response like it creates weird game states and against storm like they can't go for like the tendrils of agony lines they would have to they it forces opponents to play in weird way and um i was chatting with tagoras and a few other storm players and like the general consensus is like very narrow probably not good enough uh and in general, like when Cyrus is on, he mentioned that it's probably not a high enough EV play to actually metagame for a storm. <clears throat> but uh, like I said, where I'm at, I'm bored, and uh, I don't actually really use a lot of my sideboard. Like I'm thinking about switching some cards around. Uh, so I just wanted to try like a weird narrow effect to see how it felt. Uh, and I ended up playing in storm. I didn't get to see how good it was because it just got immediately abrupt decayed. But they, like, abrupticate it over my Targoyf, which is my only threat, so I got to kill them. So I was like, that's a win in my book. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just like, kind of dicking around with it. Like, <laughs> like, like, I guess that's a... I guess. Like, I don't know. Was it even good? I'm gonna, uh, I don't know. Sh- I'm gonna give you some shit on this one, Lawrence. You're gonna get some messages over the next couple of days about this. I don't know if it's good. Like, that's the thing. I'm like... <laughs> like I could throw together a 75 card rug delver list that someone could just do well with. Yeah, of and course. like, I haven't really been trying things. I've just been like playing running more or less running back the same list ad nauseum until I go, Oh, I should probably like make this change. And I just click, keep running that list back. And like, it's been a very slow process. So I figured I'd take a more proactive approach to just like iterating because I have nothing else to do. Steve, is this what you have to deal with on like the regular? Whoa, whoa, he's he. he no, okay. he's oh the worst my god, he. Oh my god, Steve around I did spoiler season. Oh, Don't oh ever god. get a group chat around me uh, during spoiler season. Probably the same way. <laughs> I get Steve super excited. Like, oh man, there's a lot of. No, I got excited. I got excited for the blue fetch common mm. Mystic Sanctuary before we saw it. When we saw the black one, the first one, I was like, "Oh, I can't wait to see the island. This is going to be a broken, yeah, amazing." You, just knew. Thing. you knew they were like going to mess it up somehow. When Steve, yeah. when Steve saw that the rare one sucked, he was just like, "Oh, the common one's going to be busted." Speaking of the rare one, I played against a Stoneblade player who played that against me. Um. Excuse me? Yeah, it was during my Miracles League. It's adorable. 
game one they play like Castle Vantress or whatever it is, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, this person doesn't want to lose to Tundra. Like, they had Narset in their deck. They had this, like, five-mana, scry-two-mana sink. I'm just like, who hurt you? Yeah, that, uh, that seems really weird to me. But <laughs> yeah. You could cast Jace, or you could activate Castle. They like, I, I literally had the same thought, Steve. <laughs> I was just like, that doesn't... No. They, they game three put me on the play. Game two, um, like, I go turn one, ponder, and turn two... I have a fetch lane, I'm going to fetch and ponder. I'm just like, there is no reason for me to ponder, maintain priority, and fetch. Because it's like, it's a play I could make, uh, but it's just like, I don't feel like holding control and dealing with all that on Moto. And I fetch and they surgical my ponder. Snap off the surgical. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Um, They got you? (laughs) Yeah, they got me. I got that game. I ended up getting a match, actually. Uh, But it was just like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, like, the, there's a, the rare lands, the black ones being played in Pox, and there's a lot of Pox players coming out of their, like, depths of where they live and you complain about the metagame. Because the black one, they're playing that and the new Hero's Downfall creature. And I can't believe it. But, I mean, I thought it would be the best one for a chance in Legacy. But I it happens every time new it. cards come out, right? Like, they're always going to try out the new stuff, and every now and then something sticks, or, like, you know, it can be, like, a one-of somewhere, but eh, there's nothing wrong with trying out some new stuff. I know, we, you know, I, get, I give Lawrence a lot of crap for this in, in chats and stuff when he talks about it, but, you know, I, I trust you guys. You guys know what's going on, and it's at least worth trying, right? Because it's like we said earlier, if, if you get it right, and other people haven't figured it out yet, you're at a pretty big advantage for whatever event you're going to play it in, or, you know, the next time you get to use it, so nothing wrong with trying stuff out i mean it'd be hard to convince me to do mana maze but like i might try out one of these new cards you know yeah i was legitimately sad for the pro tour that had legacy that i wasn't qualified because i was playing ak miracles leading up the month to it and nobody else was playing that yeah. deck and nobody knew how to play against it know, and i was just destroying else, people. Lawrence, about that? i was just like i was also not qualified Well, yeah, but I but I got to play. <laughs> oh, it is. Must be nice, Tannen. I am a very lucky man. <laughs> I run real good. No, but yeah, it was also my best finish so. ever at a pro tour. Yeah. And they just happened to triple the like, prize pool, so that was great too. <laughs> nice. Like people were doing weird stuff with miracles. Like one guy was playing Think Twice. Oh, in his miracles yeah. list, there was like a fringe oh. player uh, who who was playing Think Twices, and I kept seeing him in streams, and I was just like, "My guy, you don't you don't know the hotness." And everybody else was just like Lawrence. It's a bit of a staple, yeah. <laughs> we know Lawrence. You know, you know what you're doing. We know. Yeah, yeah. Gang. Um, also, if you're gonna board Surgical in on Tundra Mirrors, if you have a game two, you should probably board it out game three because like. Once you're playing a Tundra Mirror and your opponent has Surgical, it's so easy to beat them into casting it. And uh, that's what I ended up doing game three. Uh, I even like made a mistake. Like I fetched and targeted my Brainstorm with the Castle, thinking my opponent had Surgical, and I should have targeted Porton. Uh, because I had like Entreat the Angels in hand or whatever. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of like walked them through mm-hmm. the plays that I wanted them to make. And yeah, you got to... Like, I don't think Surgical is that great, and I understand the draw to boarding it in against the accumulated knowledge, like, 
Mystic Sanctuary deck, but you have to like really select your spots, and that's kind of my issue with that card against Miracles. Like, if you hit, it's insane, but if you don't hit properly, yeah. you just get. No, cracked. that makes sense. What's next on the docket? Do we just like cover everything already? Um, oh yeah, yeah. So leading up to this GP, I'm going to be doing a series for our Patreon where I do like a testing journal. Um, yeah, like over the weekend, I tried Just Guy Oka or not Just Guy. Actually, it's a hell of a card, man. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I tried Just Guy Ascendancy PO. And then I tried the four color list that actually does have Oko, so I guess it is. Would, they be called, would you just call that deck Joko? Um, and then I also. Joko? Jesco? Jesco? It kind of was a Joko. Right, I'm good. But, um. Uh, and then I. Like, Aspiring Spike posted a Grixis control list on Twitter, and I wanted to try it, and I have a lot of thoughts on that deck. Uh, like, I used to play mm-hmm. Grixis control back in the day, and, um. Because I'm like relearning the format, I figured I'd try something that was somewhat familiar. I'm actually to me. very interested in and, that, uh, by the way. So I'm, I'm going to look into that whenever you do that. But continue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I could probably rant for the next thirty minutes about all my issues with the deck, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, Sub to our Patreon so you can get that hotness. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting journey. Like. Up next on the docket is uh, Warza, and then I want to try like the non-ascendancy PL list, and then I'm going to look into Tron. Uh, Jarvis used teammate. Um, I can't remember Dave Long's um, brother's name. Possibly, Steve? yeah, yeah. Oh, let me look it up. I actually don't know him. I know, I know Dave. Well. Go ahead, continue. I'll, I'll tell you his name. I I know him because he's a miracles pro. Um, <clears throat> I don't. I don't. Whatever. I. Uh, like, day one of the SCG, he went undefeated in matches and, like, just crushed the tournament with Tron with um, Once Upon a Time, I believe. And I, I'm i down to do that. Like, Tron isn't normally something I gravitate towards. Or, well, I used to play a lot of Tron when I got into Modern, and then I decided to explore mm-hmm. other decks. Robert Long. Um, but he played three Once Upon a Time, and... Uh, Apparently they were good, so I am interested in trying that, uh, seeing where that takes me. Uh, so I don't know. There's a stack of decks I want to try. Uh, I'm probably going to avoid decks like Jund Shadow or Jund or Grits of Shadow. Partially, it's like Grits of Shadow just has consistency issues and implodes a lot, and um, Jund just like gets really embarrassing at times. So, we're going to avoid that. Awesome. But, uh, yeah. Speaking of Shadow, I just dropped an article about why Legacy Shadow doesn't work. Uh, people occasionally ask me, including Tannen, like, every three or four months, this will come up. Someone's like, hey, Lawrence, what do you think about Shadow? And I just, like, repeat the same point. So, you I just, just wrote give it the link like, you know, every time. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exhibit A. Just, like, Here you go. <laughs> Here you go, man. Pre-recorded the conversation for you. So, don't get trapped. Don't play Legacy Shadow. It's, it's heyday is gone. Well, it's just, it's best starts are the same as Storm, except it does the Storm often kills him. 
That's my issue with it. Like they're like discard, 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 and they play a guy that takes three turns to kill their opponents. Where you could just go discard, 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 <laughs> storm your dead. Nice. That's nice. literally a portion of the article. <laughs> like, yeah. So the deck has a lot of issues. Um, also, the legacy like quarterly thing that isn't quarterly, like the the reup that they added because the modern one capped and people weren't able to play it. Uh, is this weekend, so I guess I should probably do some sort of preparation for that. I totally forgot it was a thing, and then someone mentioned it to me, so I'm likely to play Rugdelver, but I may look into Dredge. Um, I know Arkin tends to play Dredge in these things and often does really well, and, you know, for the reasons we discussed earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's always well positioned. And so I am... uh, that's definitely something I'll look into and see see where I want to go from there uh, with that deck. Or you could play Hogak. Uh, you could play Hogak. Come on. I could play Hogak. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like, some graveyard synergy deck that people are really bad at playing against because, like, the way these tournaments work... So so it's a weird di- dynamic. Like, I could make a metagame call, but the top tables of these tournaments are all just stone-cold ringers who are really good with their decks. So it's the question of do I play Dredge or Hogak being like very cold with those decks against people who are masters with their deck shells and like probably know the matchup better than I do? Or do I just play Rug Delver because I've been playing nothing but Delver every week or almost nothing but Delver every week and just accept what comes along with playing like the level one decision deck? Uh, and I'm really not sure where to go with that one. You should maybe put that in the article a little bit too, like what your thought process is going into the tournament and how you select whichever deck it is that you end up playing. Yeah. Um, I think that's stuff that doesn't do get that. written about enough, uh, and uh, readers could actually benefit a lot from that kind of thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people just select their decks based on like this perceived sense of identity, I'm Jund guy or whatever. And in Legacy, that often pays off. Like, being the person who's played infinite reps with the deck, like, you know, you may play Delver in a tournament where Delver's, like, air quote, poorly positioned because there's a Chalice of the Void deck or something. Lands is popular, right? It's a team event. And you're still going to do well because you know your matchup and you've played a lot. So it's like, I don't care if I play against Eldrazi, I know how to beat Eldrazi, and I'm going to beat them way more than they're going to beat me a lot of the time. Um, But in modern, I think uh, the days of being a deck specialist are just past. I think you get way more rewarded for just, like, metagaming to a degree. You're just, like, picking a deck that's proactive. Like, you know... Thoughtseize Goyf Liliana is going to be good against some people, but then like you're going to get clowned by other decks. So right now, what I'm looking for is... Another thing is like I'm going to be playing this tournament uh, if I end up feeling comfortable enough to play it uh, with no buys. And a factor in what I select is going to be like, what is the least mentally taxing? over a course of time. So I'm looking for something fairly proactive that I can pilot naturally. 
Uh, I did mention playing Grixis Control, but I, like I said, I've played a lot of that deck, so it is, it's not second nature to me, but like I don't find it super stressful to play. But I think that would have a big factor on what I end up leaning on. And like Jund, it's not a complex deck, but it has like these 5% edges that you can miss that just cost you games. And I don't really want to be like the, I don't want to sit there for 30 seconds trying to decide, am I going to tip up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like what, what, like what top deck do I lose to the most? Like trying to figure out those lines. It's, I don't think it's the highest EV thing to be doing. (laughs) Steve, did you send me a picture of someone selling a foil mana maze? Get them now before they go up. They're going to spike. <laughs> Shout out to our boy, Harry. Uh, Harry is a homie of mine. I think he sells on like CG player or something. Heard Harry's House of Cards, something like that. Uh, you can also hit him up on Facebook. He's a really good dude. Uh, all those cards are going to be, you know, crispy yeah. or in whatever condition he advertises. And I promise you there will be no fakes. So, uh, and he has a foil mana Yeah, foil mana maze. Oh, like 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, 24. Which, you never know. Get ahead of the curve, oh, right? God. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of ahead of the curve, uh, so in terms of like making Delver better against combo, one thing I was thinking about was um, Dreadhorde Arcanist, and there are issues with that card in the current format. Um it's awkward in the mirror because there aren't an insane amount of lightning bolt targets. It's kind of man intensive. It's kind of frail in some matchups. But I was thinking about maybe playing like two copies in the sideboard over like Sylvan Library and something as kind of just like pinch hitters to board in against control and combo. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm uh, like on the fence about, about it. the same. I think I'm on the fence about it. I wouldn't want to use two sideboard slots for the card. And I think the card kind of sucks if you're not, if you don't have the option of getting back discard with its ability. Yeah, I I agree that it's significantly weaker without discard. It was mostly just like a here's kind of a two mana sideboard Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, you can just play Jace can by play, the way. Like I think Jace the Mind Sculptor is very very playable in Rogue. I can't. Oh no, it definitely is. Um, I've been right, leaning towards right. Sylvan Library for mana efficiency though. But like that's kind of where I was looking at Dreadhorde Hands. It's like kind of like a. A Sylvan Library, it's a threat I can board in against combo. I air quote, but like I'm, I really am not yeah. sure where I want to go with this. It, um, it's know, also it's better like, whenever the blasts that you're bringing in have more targets in play. That way, you can like blast and then like you know attack of Arcanas and use blast again proactively. Like that gives you like an extra card or two. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not small, but it's not you know insignificant. I guess I could also just play, like, Snapcaster Mage for a similar effect. Um, which, like, I, Snapcaster Mage and Delver is always wonky because, like, a lot of times it just sits there and you just snap Brainstorm on your opponent's instep. Uh, but sometimes it's, like, really good specifically against combo. Um, and I've usually defaulted to Vanillian Click in that slot, uh, which I, I love. I actually Tried, think Snapcaster is better. Yeah, Try Brazen Horror. you have all the extra lands. Um, I know you played it, and I know Austin something, or rather, the guy who made the finals of Blackner, Blackner. yes, uh, made the finals of GP Atlanta. 
he played it and in the rubbed over discord he mentioned that yeah, he was just gonna cut it it wasn't it insane wasn't, it was, but it was just like okay got it out of my system <laughs> you know so i'm like i'm just kind of looking for like high impact effects or like cards that are just good ish uh so i may try just snapcaster for the matchup specifically where i want it um but then Dillian Click also appeals to me. Mostly because I just love playing that card, but also because it's just like a nice random thing to throw into your deck against like combo and control and uh, sometimes like just mid-range like deaths. Like Click blocking a Merrillage is non-trivial. Uh, just having a thing to do on your opponent's in step turn three. You could bounce it with Grayson so. or two. Just saying. Just, just, just throwing it out there. Bounce it and then block it. And just, then block it. You got two down. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Tannen, you mentioned that this was the uh, Tannen. Yeah, race sort of like you know, it's like a soft retirement. Um, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I have no plans to go to any events for the rest of the year, and I don't have any plans to go to any events at the beginning of next year. Um, things change. Uh, let's say, you know, uh, I go to a team open. That that's something that could still happen. Or there's an open relatively close to me, like Dallas, and, you know, the guys from here go. I might jump in the car. You know, I might randomly show up to something, but I'm not going to be going hard. Um, I've already told Team BCW I will not be returning uh, next year, next season. That was tough. Um, I kind of, like, identify myself as a Team BCW member now. It's weird. It's only been two years. It's been, like, less than two years, really. But uh, it had a significant impact on my life as a Magic player. Um, like, it was, it was fun. It was fun having the teammates that I did. But more importantly, like I made really good friends. You know what I mean? Like here, here's, here's a good example. Um, all of them were invited to my wedding, you know, Brennan and I um, just like chat all the time. You know, like we just call each other and just literally chat. And it's like, sometimes we don't even mention magic. Um, Jim and Ross might be coming to uh, Baton Rouge later in the year or early next year, like sometime around like December, January, just to hang out. And we're not going to do anything magic related. You know, we're going to go like catch a Pelicans in a jazz game because, you know, Ross is a big jazz fan and uh, Jim has never had Cajun food. You know, he's like never had gumbo or whatever, you know, and stuff. And so like I'm going to show the guys around New Orleans, have some fun with that kind of stuff. Um, life is getting very busy for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm married. <laughs> I'm about to be 35. That's kind of over the hill for Magic Player. No offense to anybody, especially on this podcast. And uh, <laughs> we want to have... Yeah, exactly, exactly. We we want to have kids, <laughs> like, really soon. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to be traveling all the time or having kids and stuff. You know, other people, that's for them. That's not for me. Like, I want to be here. I want to help my wife out. She's finishing up her PhD right now. Plus, I got hired by a Fortune 100 company uh, last week, so I'm going to give that a full-on go. It seems like something I should probably lean into, if you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So I just could not commit enough for BCW next year, and without getting some kind of sponsoring back, there's like no way for me uh, to play in enough Magic events. It's too expensive. Um, it's too restrictive. Like I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Like as I said, I have to drive an hour to New Orleans to fly anywhere, and then even then. I usually have to get connecting flights. You have to pay to where you're going. Um, I used to make the joke that I had the hardest road on the SCG tour out of everybody, like because how far away I was. You know, for people who are going to every event. You know, there's 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 some Canadians flying on the tour now. They have a little bit. They get a hard time. You know, they have to go through customs for every event and stuff. But um, yeah, this is like 
kind of, you know, I might start playing online more. I've never played a challenge before in my life. I might start, you know, doing those things on Sunday to get that competitive edge out. Um, I may revisit streaming a good bit. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll make some casual stuff. Maybe I'll make a commander deck for the first time in my life. I'm, I'm probably not making a commander deck, but I, I, I yeah, I'm you don't want to go down that road. Deck, keep going. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to rant about this. commander right now, but uh, yeah, I actually tried to do that recently. Just so you know, it yeah, they really do don't like you when you try to win. They, they don't <laughs> like you. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to rant. So the issue with Commander is that there's... like Lawrence, Lawrence, let it go. Let it go. If you go to a modern tournament, you know the yeah. range of what can happen in modern. Same with Legacy or Standard, right? In Commander, you can sit down at the table and die to turn one Tendrils of Agony, or you can have people who are just like, I'm going to play Cultivate on turn three and not cast my turns for spell until yeah. 40 minutes into this game. And yep. I know like the Commander community has done like a job of uh somewhat of a job of uh having like a spike yeah how spikier you system uh but the biggest issue is like no. you can't just play pickup commander like it can it's ugh, it, it just doesn't let the hate out. flow through uh, you Lawrence. i can like feel you seething i don't hate like i got back into magic with commander <laughs> like i used to only play commander for like a good year maybe two uh, before I end up getting into modern. Um, and, like, there's a lot of great things about the format, and, like I said, the only thing is just, like, the lack of standardization, which can lead to just, like, mm-hmm. an unnecessary conflict. It is. I mean, it's the future of Magic. Like, honestly. Like, you can look at the card creation, mm-hmm. you can look at what's going on with the GPs, it's the future. Is the rant over, or are we going to get more? So, oh, Alright, good. Uh, no, it's over. Also, when I saw that you were retiring, I wanted to hit you with the uh, trying out the old right. Andre Shosky, but I didn't want to jinx you. Well, I was like really hoping so the, you would it, go out on. The I end. like kind of retired earlier this year, and then decided to play a few more opens at the second half. And like one of the last opens I played in in the first half was a team event, and we finished eighth in that event. And I actually like you know we made top eight, and I really liked our deck and deck choices, but. Uh, we made a couple mistakes, the top eight, and, you know, didn't get there. Like, I was actually very frustrated with my play and then the play of one of my teammates. And that's not me ragging on them. That's that's my fault, too. Like, that's on me. Like, I was watching the game and, like, didn't say anything or didn't get, you know, involved as much. And I should have. And things could have turned differently. And you never know how, how it finishes from there. You know, like, what if we just win the next two rounds? Or, like, you know, and I get that trophy or whatever, which Brendan would have never forgiven me for because he was not on that team. Well, he's, he always jokes to me. He's like, if you get the trophy and I'm not there, we're not friends anymore. But yeah. yeah. Oh, but uh, we have Ooh. some questions from listeners. Um, Dylan Hovey. I do like Dylan, though. We can, we, can, we can let him have you. Also, he's uh, he's short. He needs a little extra representation. He <laughs> I'm sorry, Dylan. I love oh you. Oh my god! It's his. Yeah. It's his handle on I'm the. I'm sorry, buddy. I love you so much. It's his handle on the Discord, isn't it? <laughs> if you if you tell Dylan he's short, he'll go. He always I'm says I'm above average height. Yeah, it's literally his auto response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the yeah. street, we've like joked with him about it. He starts googling average height of a male in the United States. <laughs> so. Great. All right. So what did the short man say? Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, for sure. First of all, shout out to Dylan's dog. Everybody loves Phil. Gang, gang. 
Phil is the nut. Um, so Dylan wanted to know your favorite legacy. Yeah, Grixis Delver probably. <laughs> it was the the one that I had like the highest win percentage of all time, and it was the most rewarding to play. Like it was the like to this day, I think it's one of the two decks that I have like truly mastered, or that I could say that I is like you know very very good with. I can dig it. Um, is there a specific time you enjoyed Legacy a lot? Uh, examples are like, you know, Top Air, 2012 Rug era. Yeah, I got to say, um, before True Name Nemesis, Delver, before then, um, I felt like that's probably the last true golden age of Legacy. It was like right before Commander cards started getting involved and kind of like warping formats and stuff around. Mm-hmm. And that's like kind of when you started seeing standard cards coming in and warping the format in the last couple of years too. So not the biggest fan of all that. And then obviously during the Grixis Delver heyday where I was guaranteed to play like five or like, you know, we're, we're talking about like a team event here where I'm going to play 15 to 18 rounds of magic over, over the weekend, you know, somewhere between 12 to 18 rounds. And I'm guaranteed to play like four to six mirror matches. And I just felt so far ahead that I was just like, this, this is great. Also like your matches were good, you know, like you, you had to, there's a lot of play and stuff involved. So big fan of that time. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's but the commander deck. Commander deck's fault, or is it Delver's fault? Yeah, yeah. Delver came um, in. Yeah, just anything. In anything not involving top <laughs> is a good answer too. <laughs> um. <clears throat> oh yeah, bring it. Let's go. I'm, I'm right not now. here to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Um. So Dylan's third question uh what are some of the best ways to improve at legacy specifically do you think it's about repetition having a strong philosophical background sticking to a certain uh type of deck or um so that's a multifaceted question and i could probably write a thesis paper like you know just like a, a research paper on this um i think one of the best ways to improve at legacy is just play the game like just just play it a lot you know what i mean you're gonna take your lumps like you're gonna lose a lot but it's, it's something so like I've done coaching before in my life and, and at magic. It's something that I talk a lot about my students with is you are going to lose games of magic like that is going to happen. It's part of the game. Nobody wins at You know, it, we're not playing chess. The best player doesn't always win. And you have to accept that. And the biggest thing I always tell people in magic is you need to be honest with yourself more than anything else in the game. So when you lose a game of Magic, I see a lot of players that complain like, oh, I missed this land drop, or I got unlucky here, or they top-decked there, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. There's always something you could do. And I'm not saying there's always something you could do to make yourself win from that spot or keep yourself from losing from that spot, but there's always a way for you to play better. There's always a way for you to improve, and you should be trying to figure that out from every game. Like You can learn something from every match you play of Magic. It, you know, like Obviously, there's, there's an exception to everything I'm saying, but you can learn something pretty much every single time you play a game. And you learn from playing the game. So just put in the time. A lot of people want shortcuts. Yeah, you can get a deck list. You can get a sideboard guide. But you need to understand why those cards are coming in and what they're important for. You know, where are you supposed to be revving? Where are you not revving? You know, like, yeah, you're boarding these red elemental blasts, but do, do I hit ponder in this matchup? You know, like, against miracles and stuff, like, you pretty much never hit ponder or brainstorm unless, like, they're, they're pretty much dead. But against storm, like, you're supposed to aggressively go after their cantrips. You know, and, like... These are things you learn from playing the games and from playing the matchups. Uh, so the best way to improve are just playing a lot yourself and honestly use your friends as resources. There is always somebody out there that is significantly better than you at legacy than you are or that you think you are. And 
Uh, Lawrence knows this from firsthand a lot. I ask a lot of questions about legacy. I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to learn and learn from other people's perspectives. And that's really important. I definitely agree. Uh, Drake Sassler uh, says, what are your thoughts on the current iterations of Rug Delver? I hate it. (laughs) Just honestly, I hate it. Uh, Deck's great. It's fun. You're still playing a Delver deck. It still feels like a Delver deck, but I just don't like what Ren and Six has done to the format. Um, Other than that, I mean, it is the Delver deck we have. I guess it's the Delver deck we deserve at this time because that card is legal for I don't know how long until Watsy gets rid of it. They're super slow at, you know, banning stuff in Legacy or whatever. But um, I think hate's maybe a strong word. I'm fine with it. How about that? I'm fine with it. Uh, I get what you're saying. Like, you mentioned liking the Delver Mare. Yeah. I'm a big fan of playing Delver Mares, and I hate the current iteration it just of Delver Mares. It's 30% Mare of the time, like immediately. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, somebody plays Renin Six, and it's just like, well, if I don't already have Torbid yeah. Wife on the table, I lost. There's a lot of just like things that come down okay. and win the game. And, uh, I, I'm not sure if this Delver variant it's not. is fun, per se. <laughs> yeah. it's You just win a lot. Like, like that's the thing. You're like, oh, I'm winning. I do so enjoy fun, winning. But you aren't, you aren't having, like, mm-hmm. the fun of previous iterations of Delver. But what were you going to say, Steve? Oh, it's it's much I more important. Yeah. 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 Perspective, yeah. Good point. Oh, my God. Especially game one, like, like you, yeah, you, the game one percentage. Is I didn't so think hard. the die roll could become like a greater factor in Delvermere is past like, you know, stifle Delver, but the die roll Agreed. matters way much more now. Mm-hmm. It's That's a really good point. Actually, abysmal. Like on the play, I I've just been jamming into days, just like sinkhole my opponent. Until I can like play things, yeah. That's just such a miserable that, strategy. No, that's actually a, that's like actually you, a good point. Like I've done that probably more in my life than I'd like to admit. Is like playing a spell and I'm like hoping it gets dazed because that's how I'm going to win this game. Like if the spell resolves, yeah, it's great. I might get to do something, but like I'm trying to keep them from casting a specific card in the next turn that I can't. You know, I a lot of times I've hoped to run into days so I don't get true named next turn. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. For me, it's yes. Also, they or can't like win in six or. Goy, if there's just something about mm-hmm. like keeping those threats off the table, turn two or whatever, just yeah, it's a miserable dynamic. For me, for for me, the big problem is the like they they days. You know, you you jam your run and six, even though knowing it's going to be days. But now they can't wasteland you, yeah, and they're back to zero lands while you're going to three lands. You know, and it's just like it gets kind of dumb. Like they fall behind, their wastelands become nothing. And yeah, I just you, I, I don't like it. Six is so Here's the other thing too, and it, it's probably why I have small problems with the format and why I'm not as as excited to play it in the past as I as I was. And it's a personal thing. It's, it, I'm not saying the format's worse. The format's worse for me. You took what you and I kind of wanted to write a whole article about this because I, I mentioned it earlier in the show. I kind of had like an identity crisis, you know, kind of thing where they took what was important in Legacy and made it not as important and it's what i was good at you know what i mean like they took they took away like my strength and legacy like the tempo part and like playing correctly in these games that are complicated with like a lot of soft counters and stuff and now it's just brute force more than more often than than it was in the past and i don't like it (laughs) you know what i mean like you you took what i was good at and made it not as important in the format so therefore i'm not as good does that make sense 
Yeah, Legacy uh, in large for a long period of time was about making a bunch of correct micro decisions in the right sequence. And now it's just like the you know the older legacy decks had a much lower floor or ceiling for card power so you had to like actually work to leverage them yeah rug delver was the weakest deck like period now it's just like which is the weakest overall but yeah it it worked yeah right nimble mongoose isn't a good card but if you keep your opponent in turn Uh one for three turns whatever it is and now it's just like every legacy deck is just very overtly powerful and you mentioned a lot of standard cards are getting injected into the format and uh games are becoming a lot less complex it's just kind of like play my spells don't let your thing resolve bolt the thing in time the typical rug delver play don't let anything Uh, resolve because then you die (laughs) right but now you can let things resolve because Mm -hmm. like you just have answers but by nature of cards like you know magmatic sinkhole stuff like that you like they're just printing answers for everything. They're doing a lot of like color pie bending and like they printed a black spell yeah, that like edicts the hell that card. So seriously. Like, like you know, like I have a, a naturalized yeah. that's also grave hate. You're getting like a lot of cards that do way more than they should. And like when you pair that with eight cantrips and a reasonably fast clock or just like consistency, you just destroy people. Oh, I can't wait to I play saw somebody uh, uh, Shrek the Musical. I saw Shrek the Musical player Active Trees in a, a 2020 in the mirror because he was like Wasteland you main phase. They made the 2020 and then he's like, all right, 20 you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there's a one mana one that's claimed the first one. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Uh, that's hysterical to me because of the coist mirrors and stuff and rug. Like that, that could mm-hmm. easily happen because like rug yeah. can actually make them make merit lays right away. Because they're wastelands, so it was it was it awesome. To see. I had to read over, I had to like lean over and read the card. Like, like, Holy shit, what is that card? And his opponent was just like really, you know, like it was it was a it was a good reaction. It was a good moment. Claim the first word is not a card that was on my. Radar. Might have to do some. Oh, might have to do some digging now. That is interesting. <laughs> might have to. Might have to. Yeah, exactly right. I might have to mess up a few deck lists real quick. Like I have vapor snags. In. You just have to see I have my interest snags in my sideboard yeah. that I like barely touch, and it's just like I'm, like I'm fine trying some Speaking weird. Speaking of cards like that, we, when we were worried about Hogak taking over Legacy, we were like putting it in depths and everything. Like when we thought Hogak would get really popular, and then Rogue Delver would be super popular. Uh, I went and brushed off my copies of Mind Harness. <laughs> it's gonna get them with the old Mind Harness. Oh, it's been, yes. it's been a while for that one. <laughs> oh yeah, people people are messaging. Mm-hmm me about this card it's yeah it's, it's a card of cumulative upkeep for all you uh, old timers f- there and, and there's a lot of kids in the in, in the, that are probably listening to this that were born after this card was printed so i i would love it if it didn't i i, I think it doesn't have a foil printing because i think we talked about this uh me and my buddy we were talking about mine harness because mm-hmm. we have a lot of green creatures at our store causing problems. And I was like, well, there's Mine Harness. It's and he's not like, foil, I can't play it. I've never seen you play it. It's a, I said, I, it doesn't come in foil. You, <laughs> it's, it's, you know what? I appreciate that. You have your standards. It's and you're a not cool going to go below those. Like, you're not going to compromise that. Yeah, I get it. It's, you know, I appreciate that. Right. I, 
I think it's a funny. It's a funny card. It's, it's cool. a weird look. It's, yeah, it's a weird it's looking a face. Starfish. I think it's yeah. starfish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's probably Wait. not a surface. <laughs> My process for considering cards is like looking at a card, thinking about its floor case, thinking about its ceiling case, thinking about what it does on average, and like if it still seems reasonably playable to me, I'll at least yeah. like try it in some league. Like it's so free to do so, unless it's like miracles cards, then I just tell Honor and to do it because he'll like. He'll play cards that I are like on the lower end of my spectrum, but I'm still curious about. But don't want to actually. It's nice to have that friend that, that you can do that. I have a couple that they're they're my uh, test dummies as well. Yeah, like Onrog is great uh, <laughs> for that. Like, what? There's some card that I wanted him to test. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Deprive ones. Like, I don't know if I want to play leads with Deprive, but I know Onrog will. And, like watching i played enough miracles at this point that just like watching someone play a card i can just deduce like how i would completely mm-hmm. feel about it so that's that's definitely nice um on to the next question adam wallace asks or says tannin was memorably one of my most enjoyable opponents i can recall playing against over the 10 plus years of comp REL. Would love to hear his thoughts on staying upbeat and positive through the course of fifteen plus round events and approaching magic with a positive. Well, Adam, thank you for that compliment. That's actually really nice. I, I wish I yeah, I wish I knew exactly. Oh, I was really yeah. hoping you were just insulted. Well, Adam just kissed my ass. Up. No, but uh, no, but thank you very much. I actually uh, kind of blushed a little bit during that. Um, that's really nice. Uh, I was say I wish I knew exactly what match that was because I probably remember our match well. I'm, I'm good about that kind of thing. I'm good with I'm good with faces. Not, I, not, Adam plays elves usually. Um, He's probably played in a team event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I think I probably know who he is now that you say that. But um, so, what's what's my approach for staying upbeat and positive over the course of 15 round events? It's kind of like what I said earlier. You just got to, you know, be honest with yourself, surround yourself with good people. I think that's a big deal. I try not to stay around people that are overtly negative or always toxic. I think if people, you know, with the people that I stay around, if you see who I hang out with or who I interact with, you can kind of notice that. But. I don't know. Like, so I, I used to be the other way around, right? I used to feel like, you know, when I lost a game of magic, my opponent got lucky. I got unlucky. I would get mad about stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you don't grow as a player like that. Right. And there's a, there's a big thing that I always talk about in games like magic and stuff like this. People like to use the word deserve. And I hate that word because you don't deserve anything. Nothing is given. You have to earn everything in this game. You have to win your games. You have to play the game. And it doesn't matter how much time or effort you've put into it if you're if you're not doing it in the right way so you know put in your time put in your effort and just be honest with yourself about what you're trying to achieve and try not to actually put too much into your results you know just play the best game you can make the best decisions you can and be happy with what happens i think another problem with players today like especially with the way social media works is they inherently tie their self-worth to their magic results so you see a lot of people are really happy when they do well in an event, and then they're very depressed when they do badly at an event. And I think that's very unhealthy, and you need to kind of try to step away from that. Uh, whether you win or lose at Magic, it does not change your self-worth. You are, you are not a better person because you have X number of top eights. That's, that's not a thing. That's, that's not real. You know, like My worth isn't inherently tied to my Magic results. In fact, my worth is more tied to my friends and the relationships I have with them. 
and stuff like that outside of magic, you know, and, or my friends within magic and stuff. So I think a lot of people can, can be a lot happier thinking about things that way. Maybe put the social media down for a few hours a day. I'm pretty bad about it myself, but I think I have a healthier relationship with it than most. So, um, yeah, that, you know, just try to, the biggest thing for stuff like this, whenever people ask stuff like, what's the best way to have a positive mental attitude and stuff like that, or, you know, a better one is you have to set yourself up for success. And a lot of us set ourselves up for failure with doing the things that I said earlier. So, yeah. Um, I know Cyrus has been quoted saying that like, you know, he's recently yeah, gone on a pretty insane run uh, in legacy events. And part of that was not thinking I, I'm going to win this game or I should win this game. Mm-hmm. It's thinking I can win this game. Uh, and from there, just making the plays that facilitate that the best as opposed to, getting that sense of entitlement yeah. and then like, you know, you know, playing slop. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, but Patrick Chapin. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Chapin's also been quoted saying that his goal in a given magic tournament isn't to win. It's just to play as perfectly as possible. And that's, winning is that's also like the sentiment of that is perfect. Like, you know what he's trying to, the, the, the point he's trying to get across is a lot of the point that I'm trying to get across. And that's just very good. Like that's a, that's a good way to work. Yeah. Uh, I forgot it. Uh, not that I'm looking for the answer. I'm sure someone could find it. And you could put it in the notes. Cyrus mentioned he read something recently that kind of changed his whole perspective and outlook on the thing. And I need to go back and find what it is. I'll probably just message him because I need to read it too. I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. We I can, can do it for the show it. or whatever. Um, yeah, probably. It's, it's this book about tennis, um, or it was mm-hmm. written by a tennis yeah. pro. Professional athletes um, have unbelievably I, good like mental uh, approaches towards their stuff. Like they have psychiatrists that are made just for that, like for sports psychiatry and stuff. And they are some of the most mentally strong people you will ever ever encounter. And maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons I I might have a better approach than most. Is like I played, I was a, I was an athlete up through high school. I even like, you know, got into pretty competitive like golf and other games where like it's all on you. Just like magic is. You know what I mean? Like you can't have an off day shooting in basketball but your team carries you or whatever, you know, kind of thing. So maybe there's something to that. Right. Uh the, the book inner is game of tennis. The inner okay. game I definitely of tennis. need to check that out. Also, one thing I know that I do is like I don't want to hear people's bad beats. Uh, I I hate bad beats. I think they're like a very toxic part of magic culture. And I understand that people like deal with stress and frustration, but putting oh, yeah. that on someone else is like you know, it really just ruins their day. Have you ever talked to a so, like, have you ever talked to a poker player in before? Between rap- <laughs> it might be no. worse. But continue, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um Yeah, like it is. In between rounds, I've stopped talking yeah. about magic basically just to like distance myself from things. So like when I'm in the game, I'm thinking about that. But also if someone starts telling me a bad beat, yeah. I just walk and away. Like, I think, I think that's I'm healthy. Just, gonna, like, you just keep the negativity it. away. Yeah. Um, Justin Briskman asks, Will there be pictures of your dog in the show notes? And I'm currently looking at a picture. So this is a good, this is a good question. So apparently the answer so. is yes. And, uh, for anyone at home that wants, uh, I, I love my dog. You've probably heard me you know, wax poetically about her. She's adorable. She has her own Instagram page. You should check it out. It's Benny the Palm with periods. So it's Benny dot the dot palm. It's B-E-N-I. So check it out. She is adorable. <laughs> Sorry for pimping my dog. <laughs> 
You're just gonna get yeah, some disappointed yeah. silence. Oh, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> it's it, man. Instagram for your dogs, Jesus. I've actually thought about doing an Instagram for my cats if I could like monetize. We, it we thought way. about it at first, and oh. when she was a baby, she was really popular because she. I'm not saying she's not now, but she was. She looked like a like she looked like a stuffed animal. You know what I mean? She literally looks like a build a bear or whatever. And uh, we got a bunch of free stuff, you know, like, hey, just like put it on your Instagram page. We'll send you a bunch of free stuff. But like, we just didn't care. You know, it's not what we we weren't there to like, you know, we weren't there to like try to make money off of our dog. You know what I mean? It's it's a nice byproduct. Don't get me wrong. You know, if you could be famous or or rich by, you know, putting your dog up on Instagram, by all means, do it. More power to you. But we just did it as like a creative outlet, you know, because we like taking pictures of our dog. I have like 3000 pictures on my phone, probably like 2500 of them are my dog. And then the other 500 are magic decks, <laughs> like, you know, pictures of, like, you know, magic Twitter decks or something. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's completely well, I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. She, she's our kid, but she's not, media. like, an actual human being. <laughs> you lock them out. Even though I, I talk about her and treat her like one sometimes. And uh, our last question. Rushka, what's up, buddy? Rushka. A long time. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Um... What's the best way for an old player to get back into Magic after they sold off their I think the easiest answer is just Arena. Uh, I think the interface is awesome, smooth, and quick. Uh, Mostly, you know, it's having a little problems of lag and stuff lately, but it's a good, easy way to to get into Magic, though I think Standard's kind of shitty right now, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. Other than that, go to your local game store, make some friends, build an EDH deck. Go play some Commander. You'll have uh, more fun. I don't recommend jumping right into competitive stuff. It's, like, pretty toxic and pretty bad overall if like that's you know the only way you view magic go have some fun crack a beer with a couple of your friends and uh sling some hundred card decks at each other um another thing is just yeah like, make friends people like i basically don't own cards like on moto or paper like i have some miracle stuff and random other stuff but like i couldn't build yeah. a deck and play it at the tournament like tomorrow. everybody needs help yeah um yeah so like I have a friend who like loans me dual lands and everything. And then I also borrow cards from another mm. friend online. And um, I think I've known players with this weird mindset that they have to own all their cards, like a weird pride thing. And so mm-hmm. they all play the same. Like if someone's willing to loan you the stuff, you know, yeah, absolutely. go for it. Yeah, that was a big part of like make friends, you know, like it just makes everything easier. Mm. Yeah. Um, so from here, Ooh. I have a few plugs to make. Um, the Community Legacy League hit me up. Uh, what they are is they're like a group who hosts like a free-to-play legacy tournament on Moto. I believe it's every Wednesday. Their contact information is in the show notes. Uh, if you, you can find them on Twitter at NTG Legacy League. Uh, and they also have a Discord that they use to organize the event. Uh, they have some small prizes that they give out to people who do well. It's just like a fun community-driven event. Um, I've played a few with Pat Uglo, and they're just like a chill, fun thing. Like everybody's nice. Uh, you can have like conversations and chat. It's a nice thing. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, and Jane Sue of Humans of Magic uh, recently released his book. Uh, and he actually messaged me today because uh, apparently I entered a raffle to get a free copy. Whoa, that's actually pretty copy. sweet. Uh, I'm actually a big <laughs> fan of his, by the way. Yeah, he's he's yeah, James is the homie. Great. Um, oh yeah, he's sweet. Shout out James. Shout out Cardboard Live. Uh, 
Wilson Hunter and his love of <laughs> pinball machines, which I thought was him trolling because Wilson used to troll a Do lot of group chats and apparently he uh, just Wilson actually Hunter and I have a uh, an interesting uh, connection right now and we chat pretty often and it's not about magic ever. Uh, we're both in the same fantasy baseball league and both have the same favorite baseball team who are in the playoffs right now. And so he and I literally were exchanging selfies, the selfies the other day of us in like our full gear of like the team and him and his kids and stuff. So, uh, shout out to old people <laughs> doing just ridiculous. Things. It's like funny. I talked to that guy uh, like almost, you know, multiple times a week never about magic. Yeah. There was a GP in India, and I went to grab food, and I asked Wilson if he wanted something. Uh, and I was, like, going to Chick-fil-A. This is pre the whole, like, you know, homophobic. Not homophobia, but, like, supporting. The, yeah. You know, you get what I'm saying. Um, and I went to get some, or I asked Wilson what he wanted. And, God, he wanted a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I think he wanted, like, a mustard or something on it. I can't quite remember. It was some condiment that was not common for a chicken sandwich. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting moment in my life. And, yeah, Wilson's a cool dude. <laughs> that didn't sound enthusiastic at all, but no, he's great. Um, anyway, so this is where we throw out the social media plugs. Um, you can find Steve at Racelinim, R-A-I-S-T-L-I-N-I-M. Uh, you can find me at Lawrence Harmon. Our editor, Kwame, is at Tripod Gun. Uh, you can find Tannen <laughs> at The Tannen Grace. Um, so uh, Todd Anderson right? likes to take credit for it. Um, it was him or I believe it was Joel Larson, uh, one of the two. I was like guesting on their stream like a million years ago. I'm talking like eight years ago. I may have had like a hundred followers on Twitter. You know, I was a literal nobody, but we were friends and they had me on the stream and I would just like this ambivalent voice over, you know, like I wasn't, you know, you couldn't see me. I was just like called in on Skype and we're just like playing games and chatting and stuff. And people kept asking like, who's the other person? Like who's the person, whatever. And uh, one of them would always go, Oh, that's, that's Tana Grace or like, that's the Tannen Grace. You don't know who the Tannen Grace is or whatever. And it kind of just stuck. And one of them, like, they just kept calling me it. And um, I think it was, like, Ruben Bressler or someone was like, you should change your Twitter handle this. Uh, branding is really good for, like, you know, helping yourself progress and stuff. Just branding's good. And you should just steer into it. And I was like, sure. <laughs> like, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> like, it just kind of happened. I don't know. They can't they can't see me at home, but we're on a okay. Skype call and I have my video up. I don't know if you guys noticed the uh, the hat in the background. Yeah, the hat that says yeah, the, um, yeah, I noticed. I, uh, I meant to bring it to Philly and wear it to the, to the last event, like kind of as a joke or whatever, and I forgot. So I will try to do that sometime next year if I get to an event. Well, this episode is going to be entitled Tannen. <laughs> Where did the stallion come from? No one that. calls me that. <laughs> it's a reference okay. to Megan the Stallion. Uh, she's a Houston based rapper. Um, she's an attractive woman who's like six foot tall. And I guess like Houston slang for like uh, tall, curvy woman, women is like okay. calling them a stallion. So she also just leaned into that and started calling herself Megan the Stallion. Uh, the whole story behind her getting that name involves like a, a like a thirty year old man hitting on her while she was like sixteen or something. Uh, but she was like, "Fuck it." Yeah, the same <laughs> thing as it would be. Just steer into it. Um, like branding, branding is huge in magic. Yeah. So. 
So, uh, you know, real hot girl <laughs> shit. Um, oh, yeah, that's where the whole hot girl summer okay. thing came from. And the hot nerd fall that people are using. Is oh, nice. She yeah, so she's, she's, well. she's doing well, I'm sure. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's crushing the game. She's oh, good for her. She's crushing the game. She also just like is also going to college. So she's like making a lot of money doing rap. Good for and her. And finishing her degree, which it's like real sweet. She. Like, her mom died this year, and, like, her mom, like, part of the whole thing was, like, her mom's dream for her was music, but also education, so she's kind of, yeah, so she's, like, I had a similar much. one, you know, um, like the groups that I rolled in, you know, it was, uh, if, if people didn't know, I was, I was a professional poker player for like 15 years or whatever, you know, and that's why I was like in and out of magic so much. And, uh, when I was doing poker magic, I was obviously around those people and all the ones that were in college dropped out. Like I was the only one that finished and it was mostly just for my parents and stuff like they would have killed me if I didn't finish. Um, also shout out to our new patron, Chris R. We're happy to have you. Uh, there'll be more stuff coming down the pipeline and uh, you can find the podcast and on Patreon at uh, for cast or find the podcast on Twitter and Patreon for cast so uh, yeah. like, what do you mean like where like where uh, so poker? I'm from Baton Rouge so I played there and like in the surrounding areas a good bit like in Mississippi mm-hmm. uh, I also lived in Vegas yeah like Tunica Biloxi Baton Rouge New Orleans I also uh, lived in Vegas uh, okay. on and off for like five or six years so yeah, I was gonna say that was, uh, my, that was, that was my yeah. occupation for about that time. Oh yeah, you dealt a lot. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say yeah. I dealt that's, a, a that's lot actually like people. not a bad job, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to listen to you have to listen to poker players. Uh, you you hear the bad beat. I used stories. to uh, you, you to go back for like for two seconds and write about the end of the show. If you want to tell me a bad beat story at Magic or Poker, you can do it. I'm charging you a dollar from now on. Anybody walks up to me, you got to give me a dollar and I'll listen. Didn't Somebody Sajid did it at the World Series idea? of Poker. Um, there's literally a guy who sets out. He's oh. in the he's in the hallway of like the pavilion or whatever, and he literally sets up a little table and it's like bad beat story. I'll listen to your bad beat story five bucks or whatever. And you can you and that dude makes a killing. We, yeah, I know. Oh, what were we saying, Steve? We had a we had a regular uh, we had a regular player at our table. He would always walk up to the table and he go, "Let me tell you about my last bad beat." And he would take off his prosthetic <laughs> leg and throw it on the table. Jesus. Oh my God. What like <laughs> His one legged Rick. That's his real name. And, and <laughs> it was just like the first time I saw it, I was just like, would he, would he, he make, just took his leg off. Would he make jokes? So he'd be like, man, they really ran me down. And it was just like, the whole thing. table stopped. Uh, he did all kinds of nonsense. Right, that sounds miserable. Because yeah. he didn't like sitting for hours with it on. So he would prop it. He would prop it up behind him and stuff like that, and he he made lots of jokes. <laughs> That's I call, awesome. Grab the leg. Just put the, put the leg on the table. Oh god, <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> Got to get a real leg up on the competition sometimes. And on that note, oh man, <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's never going to be on the show again. <laughs> no, nice. no, you can come back anytime. All right.